you. Don't you think that's a little out of line? Whoa, 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 cool it, Roach. Don't you know who this is? No, I don't know who this is. This is Johnny Utah, the Ohio State Buckeyes All-Conference, remember? Number nine, man. How you <laughs> doing? Oh, nice to meet yeah, you. Jesus Christ. Johnny fucking Utah. Sorry, man. Didn't mean to get in your face. Man, I knew I knew you. It was the Rose Bowl. Three years ago, you beat SC, right? You? You did this. That was, him. That was one hell of a game. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you got nuked in the last quarter or something. Yeah, I got my knee folded back about 90 degrees the wrong way. Whoa. And that's why you never went pro? Two years of surgery. Missed my window. Went through law school instead. Law school? You're a lawyer? Wow. Well, life's not over yet, man. You're surfing. Lawyers don't surf. This one does. Sex with gods. You can't beat that. Speak into the microphone, squid brain. Today, we cover the action-packed 1991 movie originally titled Johnny Utah. <laughs> but the title Johnny Utah didn't say anything about surfing, so they changed the title to Riders on the Storm after the Doors song. That didn't make sense either because of the lyrics. The actual title wasn't decided until halfway through filming. Before we re reveal that title, for those of you who listen but don't follow the social media, this is the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm Kevin, joined by Jim. Hello. And returning for a second time is Matt Liller. Chief. Hi. Matt, we watched this movie for your birthday 11 years ago. That's true. It was the first time Jim had seen it. So fucking crazy. It was it 11 years it ago. It was cool. It was like a uh, a sleepover vibe where everybody brought their... Uh, Our sleeping bags. And projected and it on the wall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We was, all had to hold hands and like you do, you look at each other in a corner while everybody strokes. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, I'm the, oh, we had I, very different sleepovers. That's right. It must have been different. I must have passed out. So the final title of this movie became Point Break, directed by Catherine Bigelow. We've already covered the next movie that Bigelow directed after Point Break, which was Strange Days. Ugh. Tom Sizemore appears in both. Yeah, he does. That's right. I forgot about that. We also covered the movie Ghost, which Patrick Swayze was doing press for while Point Break was filming. This movie shares a lot of similarities with the first Fast and Furious movie. Damn straight it does. A young undercover cop is sent undercover to find a gang of robbers. He has to infiltrate an extreme sport, becomes part of the crew that ultimately turns out to be who he's after, becomes besties with the leader, and lets him get away. Some other similarities, too. You can watch some YouTube videos. Except Johnny did not give Bodie a 10-second surfboard. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah. Exactly. Big, big difference. Or some Oakley blades. That's right. Jim, that seems like a good segue to find out how Point Break stacked up with budget and box office. Number one's news from 91. Look, stop. Hold on. Before we go any further here. Yeah. I just need to bring something up at the top. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So it's the year 2021 right now. I just turned 41 years old. It's a very weird time. Just generally in life, things are strange. It's strange days. I agree. I've never been so lost, like emotionally spiritually i don't know who i am as a person anymore i think i think a lot of people feel the same way 2021 we're living through a pandemic we can't agree on anything we have all of the information at the tips of our fingers yet we're like encouraged to be stupid post things about opinions you don't know anything about instantaneous just out there mm -hmm. and it's a scary time i'm raising children in this world the world is literally burning there's smoke coming from the Pacific Northwest coming to Ohio. It's frightening. It's weird. It's strange. But the one thing that's guided me 
throughout my entire life is that Point Break is an awesome movie. Damn straight it is. Yes, it is. It's the only thing I know that's true anymore in my life. And this is very important. Matt, you're not going to start chanting, are you? <laughs> should I, I put... Should I, I put on <laughs> chant on my cassette player? And we but just I, need this, to I need to say you guys better take this seriously. This oh, is I an am. important podcast, yes. but I think we can take a solemn oath right now and be like, look, this isn't rad or some other BS that you guys do. <laughs> or it's nostalgia <laughs> for the sake of nostalgia. This is a good goddamn movie. This yes. is fucking excellent. No, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Just we're so we're all in serious. agreement here. Okay. No comedy. We're just completely yeah. i know i'm big deal in podcasting too like i know you guys need me like you need me more than i need you basically i'll walk the hell out of this room if you don't I take lock the studio door okay all right just so we're all on the same page yeah. here yeah. okay you can, if, if we're not you can stick our head near some lawnmower blades perfect that's right all right thanks guys now go on with your i don't mean the the hijack or anything but this is an important movie to me i don't have religion in my life anymore that, that, that was gone a long time Bodhi ago is right. your religion Bodhi is my religion that's like right. I don't, there's no like Christ or Buddha in my life, but this is what I go to sleep to chanting. <laughs> and the guy that was Point Break is a good movie. And the guy that was Cyborg in the movie yes, from exactly. Cyborg. What was his name again? It was the weird name. Uh, War Child. War Child. That's right. Okay, so Point Break was released on July the 12th, 1991 to a $24 million budget and it surprisingly I shouldn't say surprisingly especially in 1991 made $84 million at the box office and then Terminator 2 came in and just woof, took over everything. Turned everything into liquid. Catherine Bigelow's husband. That's right. Yeah. Good old Jimmy Cameron. Just so you guys know, a little memory break. Gas was a buck fourteen a gallon. The SNES was the hottest toy, and the LA riots and the Gulf War dominated the airwaves. And Boris Yeltsin, friend of the podcast, former friend of the podcast <laughs> sure. with George Michael, sports machine. I just I don't know why I just thought Boris Yeltsin was alive for that five seconds of my life. However, he was sworn in as the first elected president of the Russian Federation. It's right before the Soviet Union fell. Good old drunk Boris got sworn in as the Russian Federation leader. But but could he ride a horse but shirtless? It, uh, no. Could you imagine Boris riding around shirtless on a horse? That would have been interesting. It really was an interesting time for uh, birthmarks. That's Boris right. Yeltsin, yeah, you're right. There's yeah. a lot of conversation. Gorbachev. And they, uh, yeah. they parodied it in Naked Gun 2. Yes, yeah. they did. Oh, wait. Was that Yeltsin? Yeah, it was, was Gorbachev. Gorbachev. You're thinking the head. Sorry, guys. That's right. He's Russian. Yeah. Same, you're fine. Same, same, same person. Right, you're I'm good. leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so as you guys know, we're a big fan of music also on the show. MTV announces in this time that it will split into three channels for 1993. So MTV said, we've, yeah, we've covered this a little bit. Yeah, we're going to change up the demographics a little bit. You know, everything's changing. There's certain music. MTV, MTV2, and MTV, the grind. 24 hours of the grind. Eric Nees. <laughs> These people have to just dance for 24 hours. <laughs> this is the true story of seven strangers. Yo, it's MTV, the grind. Whoa, whoa. Speaking of the grind, Jeffrey Dahmer confesses to killing 17 men in 1978. Yeah. Good old JD. Ohio, right up the road from us. That's about, right. Uh, about 45 minutes. Uh, grew up with his grandma. Moved to a uh, ghetto in Milwaukee yeah. because none of his neighbors, they had their own problems. They didn't seem to care that he was drilling holes in the heads of young boys and filling them with antifreeze so he could make himself a sex slave. <laughs> Then he also, he all ate him too, right? Yeah. yeah. He ate him. He was hungry. Speaking of somebody who was hungry for life, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, is arrested in Florida for exposing himself wow. at an adult movie theater. That's a good news section. It's an adult movie theater. Aren't you supposed to do that? Aren't you supposed so. to go wank my, city? My wife, till this day. She was there. <laughs> she was there. She will uh, forever say, 
that Pee Wee's a pedophile. I'm like, no, he's not. No, he's not. He She's just like, jerked off in a he's movie a theater. I was like, no, he jerked off in a movie theater. George Michael did it in a bathroom stall. Pee Wee did it first. He was a pioneer. I mean, of all the things that people get in trouble for, that seems like so minimalistic. It's, yeah. it's, it's come like on. I, I think it was spun. Like I said, my wife thinks he was a kid toucher. And now with Boris Yeltsin, we're going live to George. Hey, George, what's up? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. The Gateway Board of Trustees approves a 20-year lease for the Cleveland Indians, now Guardians, everybody. We can't call them the Indians anymore. They're now the Guardians to play Major League Baseball at Jacobs Field. How do you feel about the name? I'm fine with the name. I don't have a problem with it. I think the logos, the logos. Logos are, looks like a fifth grader made the mm. logos, but other they than like that. Clip art fantasy yeah, sports. Pretty bad. Liller, what do you think being a Pittsburgh Pirates fan? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think I'm ready to jump ship. I cannot give any more money to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, it's such a beautiful stadium, I, and they just run it into the ground. Well, I think it, it's time now. I, I can be a Guardians to, fan. I wouldn't jump to the Guardians because their owners won't spend money. Yeah. Well, this is a different thing. Yeah. Uh, not to get too far down this path, yeah. but like the Pirates legitimately, even if they have an opportunity, will not spend yeah. to make the team when you have that window. The Indians will do that. You at least get like every five years something interesting happens. Get to the World the Pirates, Series and they've, then they've fielded two competitive teams in my lifetime. And it's in sp- yeah. it's in spite Sucks. of the owners, in spite of the spending. Right. So it's it's garbage. Guardians, I'm fine with it. I, I think I'm a Guardians no fan, though. I have I'm no ready. problem being a Guardians. You got the fucking Guardians overlooking the stadium anyway, so it makes sense. And we are now. The Tokyo Olympics just started under a lot of controversy. Why they're even having the Olympics is bullshit. Well, money talks, bullshit walks. But this time in 1991, South Africa was readmitted into the Olympics to be able to re-debut come Barcelona in 1992. Is that because of apartheid? Yeah. That they were like banned? Yeah, that's why they were. That's why they were banned. Go figure. The Olympics are trying to be on the cutting edge of social justice, Mm -hmm. of all things. Now look at them. Don't smoke weed because you'll get banned. But, you know, there's a couple of people that have admitted to battery and sexual offenses, but we'll let them race. No problem. But on a lighter note, your top movie rentals at National Video this week are as follows. Guaranteed a better buy with National Video. Misery, Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2, Secret of the Use, in which I went to the movie theater at Movies 8 in Niles and saw that by myself. Oh, really? Well, with well, my Wait, parents, what? of course, oh, but there's okay. nobody in the movie I was theater. Like, oh, okay. you just, <laughs> I was like, how old were you? I was, you uh, just, I was 10. You just, and you're all just <laughs> My mom gave me the keys to the 77 Camaro. I went and go saw fucking TMNT 2. Yeah, those movies are very alike. Sleeping with the Enemy, Misery, and Teenage Mutant Ninja I'll never forget that scene of Misery where... <laughs> Kathy Bates' miseries, fucking Jimmy Kahn's ankle. Shredder uh, hits Sp- Splinter with a, a brick. That's mm-hmm. right. Super Shredder, Kevin Nash. So Big shout out. This uh, Golden Age of Toys, you had mentioned uh, Point Break, and we, we talked while we were watching this about why there wasn't a video game. Why doesn't one of these toy companies release some Point Break figures? You think they would, like NECA figures, like NECA exclusive would release, at Target, like a Bodie you know, and a, a Johnny, Johnny Utah. Utah. Bodie, man. Warf, war, war child. I, what do you want to call Warframe? Not, not Commander Warframe. Warframe? Yeah, Warframe. Whatever fucking Cyborg. Dude, a Pappas with subs? Oh. Subs? Two. 
Give him two. He's got amazing outfits, too. Dude. You got to give him multiple outfits. I love how Pap is dressed in this movie. It's like that dad who tries to stay trendy at the time with their kids, and they, well, he, they, they don't do it right. Yeah, I'm at the age. Like I'm ready to do it now. Yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> ready. That was going to be my vibe as Pappas. Uh, Vision Streetwear. At that, when he's running across the street, and he's got that patterned shirt That's on right. and khakis, uh-huh. he looks like young Tony Hawk. Come on! But I mentioned it real briefly. The movie that dominated the box office was Terminator 2 Judgment Day, directed by Catherine Bigelow's husband. What was husband. that? Are you okay? What did I say? Judgment Day. I said Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Okay. I was it wasn't flying that through. Early. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. We are kind of recording earlier today, so that's probably why I'm fucking tired. You've been drinking the Rocks tequila too that's much. That's right. Hitting that Terramana and just trying to, would like to get some Zoa. That'd be great, but can't find it anywhere. So Terminator 2 was the number one movie at the box office. Ironically enough, the number one song in America, Paula Abdul, with Keanu Reeves in the video, Rush, Rush. Rush. Keanu Reeves had a big 1991, and that's all that was going on in July of 1991. That was a good news segment. Nobody getting uh, stabbed with darts like Dartman. <laughs> Dartman. Dart we'll get a Dartman update. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, we did a news story about a guy that was attacking random people in New York City with fucking darts. Let's go to the pub it and was throw like, darts. Oh, yeah. Like, that's weird. Didn't you just talk about drilling a hole in somebody's <laughs> yeah. head and pouring antifreeze <laughs> right. in it? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. true. It's true. 1991. Yeah. That's... Uh, what man. a year. It was a, it was, it was a great year. I do want to say like Paul Abdul was like a sexual awakening for me at the time. And this movie too is a great one to do because I don't know. I didn't own this movie. I didn't own it on VHS, but I feel like somehow this movie got into my DNA somehow. This like was, I've just, did you grow up with cable? I grew up with cable, but I didn't have HBO. Okay. So I don't know how many this, times I saw it, but I just know I can't it. imagine they would have played this too much on TNT, TBS back then. Maybe not. But like when growing up, we didn't know like any movies. We talked about this last time. Right. We were, you know, I didn't have VHS or anything till much later, but. I remember seeing this movie a lot, so it had to have got a pretty steady rotation on HBO and stuff. Yeah. But it's also, yeah, it's at that age. It's the age where is this movie, I genuinely do think this movie holds up, but I do this with music. I do this with music sometimes when, with friends who are younger and I say, this is something I can't distinguish between what I grew up with. And that is like part of me as a kid, like kids has just got to me at that particular time. Or is it actually good? So I do that with people who are younger, like a friend like Brian Johnson or something. I'm like, this is just something that I listen to. Is this good now? Does it hold up? You know, as somebody like an innocent bystander that weren't, you know, indoctrinated with it at yeah. the time. But, uh, you know, I think Point Break looking back now is still really good. I don't, oh, know, I don't know about up. Paul Abdul. She probably still gets me hard. When, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know if the music's what, good. What, okay. So do you have like a specific instant? It, was it with Opposites Attract and MC? Where, did you wish you were? MC's oh, my cat, God. Cat? That video. Oh God. Why was there a cartoon cat and why? was my why did my balls tingle so much for a video with a cartoon cat in it she was hot as hell oh my god she was gorgeous g-o-r-j-e-z gorgeous Mm, mc scat cat yeah Yeah. romany falco is that his name yeah romany falco was the voice of mc scat cat you guys are really good at this stuff from the weeds (laughs) yeah the weeds i know best from 40 year old -old virgin virgin, but yeah yeah. all right let's uh dive into the plot skydive into the plot if you will 
this isn't about Paul Abdul. We're going to jump into the plot of oh, sorry, Opposites Cat. Attract. Yeah, by we're, we're rush rushing into this. Cat. Johnny Utah is a former Ohio State quarterback who had to give up football due to a knee injury. But thankfully, you don't need knees to be a cop. Special Agent John Utah, day number one in L.A. Welcome aboard. You're going over your personnel record. Very impressive. Thank you. You may very well have been in the top 2% of your class at Quantico, but quite frankly, son, out here, you have exactly zero hours of experience in the field. You know nothing. In fact, you know less than nothing. If you even knew that you knew nothing, that'd be something, but you don't. Yes, sir. You need a solid breakfast, Utah? Sir? All the food groups, avoiding caffeine, sugar. I like to make sure that all my people maintain Coming sound through. cardiovascular fitness. We don't drink, and we sure as hell don't smoke. Sir, I take the skin off chicken. Good man. As a rookie FBI agent, Utah is sent undercover to investigate a group of bank robbers known as the ex-presidents because they wear president masks. Jim, which presidents? Reagan, LBJ, Carter, and... Oh, shit. Who am I missing? This is the easiest one. Yeah. <sighs> Not a crook. Oh, Nixon. Yeah, Duh. yeah. Reagan, Nixon, LBJ, and the former peanut farmer, Jimmy Carter. Utah's partner, Pappas, is operating on a theory that the bank robbers are surfers chasing waves, so Utah needs to learn to surf. He persuades a waitress and surfer named Tyler to teach him using, like, a really ridiculous backstory. Yeah, it's pretty much bullshit. I taught him that in the academy to uh, make up a sob story. So I come out here from Ohio a month ago. I've never seen the ocean before. Any ocean. I never thought it would affect me so much. I'm drawn to it. Or something. I want to do what you do. All right. Okay. Tomorrow, here, 6 a.m. It's through Tyler that Utah meets Bodie and Bodie's surfing cohorts. They're reluctant to let Utah in, but ease up a little after realizing he's the former quarterback. Johnny Utah. They know him from the Rose Bowl, which we talked about this. Mm -hmm. It's weird that they, you know, these adrenaline junkies who have this whole like peaceful philosophy are love college football, love college football. Exactly. Well, they must have played. I think they said USC. I mean, maybe. Maybe, Yeah. (laughs) It does seem weird that they're taking all this, that they just are robbing banks and surfing. It still took the world. It still took them a while while playing beach football for them to realize, hey guys, it's cool. It's Johnny Utah. Oh, there's a lot of like, when did they know things? Yeah. Like, did it take him to get tackled in the water to know? Okay. Continue with the plot. Yeah. Cause it, yeah. Bodie's, yeah. Bodie's like, guys, it's fine. It's Johnny Utah. <laughs> oh, okay. Who would have known his quarterback could tackle like this? The more Utah hangs out and serves with the crew, he really starts seeing the appeal of the adrenaline junkie lifestyle and the surfing philosophy. Utah thinks the robbers are another surf gang that he fought with on the beach. Along with Pappas, they lead a raid on the other surf gang, but find out they are not the ex-presidents. Uh-oh. Utah has an aw shit moment because no. the light bulb goes off in his CTE football brain that Bodie and his pals are the ex-presidents. Utah and Pappas catch them in the act while staking out a bank and maybe eating meatball sandwiches. Utah, See, you almost said subs, too. I almost said meatballs. The kids are they're subs, but yeah. Utah gives chase, but his knee gives out, has a chance to shoot Bodie, but shoots in the air instead and yells... Tyler finds Utah's badge, which is a bad thing to leave lying around if you're undercover. She ends their relationship. At this point, Bodie knows that Utah's a cop, but doesn't necessarily know if Utah knows that Bodie's crew are the ex-presidents. You're getting too deep into it. It's it's too hard to know, but yes. So Bodie forces Utah into coming skydiving, 
this is like right after the breakup. Yeah. They like break up and it's almost like 10 minutes later. They And that's probably the point at which they intercept Tyler. Uh, they have to. Yeah. She probably yeah. So they see her coming out better, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, they, they force him to come skydiving, revealing that they have taken Tyler hostage. After the jump, Bodie brings Utah along for a bank robbery. Sorry, Johnny. Looks like you don't get to be president. <laughs> Shit goes sideways. Of course. Sans mask, no mask. Yeah, no mask. No loaded And gun. Uh, Bodie knocks Utah out, basically blaming him because one of the crew members are killed. It's Gromit. Utah's arrested for his involvement in the robbery, but defies orders. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> where him and Pappas speed to the airport to stop the departure of Bodie and the gang who are going to skydive into Mexico. That's their, their way to get out. There's a shootout before takeoff where Pappas and one member of Bodie's gang are killed. Another member of Bodie's gang is shot and dying. Bodie forces Utah on board at gunpoint. Bodie and a wounded roach jump out with their parachutes, leaving Utah on the plane to take the fall for the robbery. Utah, he's got a huge set of hairy boys here. because oh, huge set. He grabs Bodie's gun, jumps out of the plane with no parachute, which I guess the alternative is like, Take the fall for the crime. Let me grab this gun. Or, like, maybe die. <laughs> so, he miraculously, Utah manages to catch up with, hold on to Bodie, but his knee gives out again when they land, allowing Bodie and his partner Rosie to escape to Mexico with the money. Tyler's released, but Roach dies. Nine months later, Utah has tracked Bodie to Bells Beach, Australia, where Bodie's going to surf the waves of the 50-year storm. <laughs> You've not even mentioned the 50-year storm yet. No. But go on. Yeah. yeah. So Utah handcuffs Bodie, decides to let him go, knowing he won't survive surfing the waves. Utah throws his badge in the ocean via Condios. That's right. He's not coming back. Let's talk about characters. We have Patrick Swayze as Bodie. Catherine Bigelow refused to make this movie without him. The producers wanted Johnny Depp. No. I can see Johnny Depp playing Bodie. Yeah. I like Swayze. Yeah. I prefer Swayze. Like, that's Depp's whole thing, you know? True. It's like the Captain Jack. Hippie shit. Keanu Reeves as FBI agent Johnny Utah. Keanu's first action movie. But this role was originally offered to Ferris Bueller, Ugh. Matthew Broderick. This has been awful. <laughs> also considered were Johnny Depp. Charlie Sheen, and old thick, stubby dick himself, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Ooh, Willem I didn't Dafoe. see any Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is Johnny, Johnny Utah. Utah? Yeah, I was quarterback. <laughs> I, just, I was quarterback once. <laughs> Don't see it. Five years earlier, Keanu and Swayze were in the movie Youngblood together, which I want to cover on this podcast. Okay. It's a hockey movie. Oh, fuck now, yeah. Keanu, interestingly enough, kind of mirrors Johnny Utah a little bit because Keanu was a competitive hockey player who had a knee injury. Yeah. So sort of like Gordon Bombay, who is also with Paul Abdul. Full circle podcast over. Who is the brother of Charlie Sheen who almost became Johnny Utah? Oh, my Utah. God. Guys, welcome to the Paul Abdul podcast. Yeah. Gary Busey as FBI agent Angelo Pappas. Very Greek, that Busey. Yeah. Lori Petty as Tyler Ann Endicott. John C. McGinley, very great as FBI uh, Director Ben Harp. Amazing. Uh, who else do we want to mention? Anthony Kiedis mm -hmm. was in this movie as one of War Child's uh, disciples. He plays Tone. Yeah, great name. This is a movie that takes place in California, so you're contractually obligated to have one Red Hot Chili Pepper yeah. in the movie. Yeah, Which to. doesn't... No Flea. I, Flea Flea's got a great Flea acting could have been. Yeah, yeah. Flea could have been... In the gang, too. Absolutely. Yeah, why not? He's he been, been in the Bunker. Back to the Future gangs, yeah. for God's sake. But he could have been in Bunker. And then uh, Tom Sizemore plays a DEA agent, Agent Dietz. Uncredited, though, is Thomas. Yeah. yeah. So which actor, actor, actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Chief. Oof. 
Buddy. Sizemore is in such a small role. There's two keys. Uncut. Crystal meth. Oh, shit. Special aid in Utah. I'd like you to meet Agent Dietz. Works for the DEA. He was working deep cover until you... You think I like this hair, man? Oh, you think I like these clothes? My wife wants me to stay at Ramada. I've been working on these fuckers for three months! Three months! Now, I finally got him wanting to play Wheel of Fortune with me so I can find out who the suppliers is, and you fucking cowboys show up. Nice tattoo, Deeds. Oh, you like that, Pathos, huh? Fuck you. It's tough to say. I mean, we laughed our asses off with McGinley, though. Uh, yeah. I feel like he has to. Yeah, sure, Angelo. Why not? I mean, that's why I put you two screw-ups together to begin with. You deserve each other, don't you? I mean, you're just as bad as he is. Only you're a little fatter, you're a little slower, and a little more pathetic. Christ's sake, it's like the blind leading the blind with you. Anthony Kiedis is not great. No, no it's awful. <laughs> yeah. But it is awful. entertaining. It's great. But I feel the same way about Flea when I see Flea in movies. You're like, I just like that he's there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not doing a great job. I don't know. What do you think? What, what other actors? I love, I, to me, it's Pat. I love fucking Pappas. Hey, Busey's nuts, though. He's so oh, I thought we were good. maybe, yeah, Pappas is, yeah. steals oh, it for sure. God. Yeah. And same with fucking McGinley. Imagine, I mean, imagine if they, so the reason for me that it's Pappas, that it's Busey, is imagine if they had cast like Tom Berenger or someone to play this and he would have played it more straight instead of like this the older wackiness. rugged cop. Yeah. Yeah. It would have, not landed as well. No. I mean, I think that there's a uh, a brevity to just how he's got such a big role in this movie. I think he's almost he's got to be like third build or something like that on this movie. But yeah, he does a phenomenal job. One little aside, I was telling you guys about this that I saw they do Point Break live, which is like a live stage performance of this, and it's hilarious and fun and everything you can imagine. It's a it's a great time. But there was an actor who uh, was doing the Pappas role and just tearing up scenery. And it's just such an awesome role. And I think that's a great role for Busey. I mean, you could have really messed it up by putting somebody else in there, yeah. but it's a pretty juicy role to just be like, just do some crazy stuff. Um, we can talk about that big, you know, the biggest action piece set piece with the chase and everything yeah. like that. But just the beginning of that, laughing and just thinking like what does the script say for Busey here it's just 30 seconds of just Busey being Busey yeah oh, it's before the, best. the give me two thing there's even all this like laughing at the funny pages and talking about getting oranges and and yeah. meatball subs it's like crazy man <laughs> yeah. it's just crazy for 30 seconds he's just doing his thing i love and, it and this is our second time we've covered Busey because he was in our lethal weapon christmas spectacular yeah. episode as once Ooh. again another crazy character mr joshua great bad guy though. yeah fucking excellent that bad is guy. an awesome role oh he's so good okay so uh, speaking of meatball sandwiches it's a good segue to get into best scenes jim why don't you go ahead you've seen this movie the least out of us second so. time i've seen this movie so right off the bat, let's just first bank robbery scene. Let's meet the ex-presidents. Hello, 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 ladies on, and gentlemen. We are the ex-presidents, and we need just a few moments of your time. We've been screwing you for years, so a few more seconds shouldn't matter. Now should it? On the floor, asshole. The money's insured, so it's not worth dying for. How you doing, Dick? Just implementing our own personal plan of deregulation, Mr. President. Time, Mr. Carter. 60. LBJ. We're styling. Oh, Ron. I got Nancy on the line. Woo, how you doing? <laughs> 80. Air Force One is waiting, Mr. President. 
Like yeah. he goes through his whole spiel. They do this before every bank robbery. I believe at one point Bodie even says, We've done thirty of these things. So yeah. in the movie, this is our first time we meet the ex presidents. He goes through his whole spiel. So what's the interesting thing about the bank robberies is that they only take from the tills no vaults. Yeah, never vault until he finally does take from the vault in the end and it all goes to shit. Yeah. So he totally goes back on everything that they've done and been successful with and he fucks it up. But god damn it, I love to touch with the masks. Oh my god. And him as Reagan, excellent. An interesting thing about the bank robbery stuff is there's not much bank robbery stuff. No, there no. isn't at all. There's at least three heists. You don't, you don't ever see well, any of the one of them. No. And then it might be, I, I know that's like, what do they say? 90 seconds in and out or whatever. Like that's literally what it is at the, at the first yeah. one. So when I took writing courses in college, you know, we, we learned the uh, premise of show don't tell. Right. This movie goes against that, but it works. Mm-hmm. We're told they've done 30 robberies. Right. So we put that in our pocket and know that they've done 30 robberies. So therefore we only need to see Two robberies. Yeah, we don't need to see all of it. You think about other bank heist movies, and there's a lot of them. I love bank heist movies, but you're usually in the bank for like a long period of time. They're really not in a bank at all. You usually get the setup of the, but this movie, that's just what they are. That's, this isn't the the focus of the movie. It's, it's so, well, it's so beyond secondary. It's almost a third, you know, right. third the type rail thing this. is more important than the bank yeah. robbery. Yeah. Sometimes you like forget actual kind of, right. I mean, me only seeing this a second time. Sometimes you forget, Oh, that's right. They're fucking bank robbers yeah. too. It's yeah. such a non, it's interesting because you know, the writer who wrote this movie for $6,000 is what he got paid. Hey, fuck. He was sitting on the beach got and hosed. he was reading or listening to the radio and heard something about LA at that time is the, the bank robbery capital of the world. And he's on the beach. So he's like, okay, I'm watching surfing. We're talking about bank robberies. What if we smashed them together? You know, what if like this group of surfers robbed banks so they could, that's basically what they're doing. They're robbing the tills to make enough money so that they can just surf. This is a great movie. And the plot is not, the story behind it is not all that important. I I think I was kind of, was telling you guys as we we're watching it, I was reading this book on, on a flight recently and I've read it before, but it's a screenwriting book. One of the exercises this author is talking about is like, Oh, if you don't have a plot idea, this is something you can do. And it's like, here are some exercises you can do. Think about one of them was think about an FBI agent doing something, being in a fish out of water yeah. thing. And is that, you know, kindergarten cop, or it could be, I think his example is like make the FBI agent a chef or something. Yeah. Like but that's what this is. Yes. It's like take an FBI agent and put him on the beach to be a surfer. Yeah. And then there's bank robbers. Ch- chasing that's bank so robbers good. who are funding their unemployment so that they can, you know, with bank robbers. Yeah. I'll go ahead and jump into my first best scene. It's the beach fight scene. When Johnny's learning how to surf, or he's basically trying to teach himself yeah. how to surf because to have credibility as an undercover you know fbi agent he has to learn how to surf but so he just get he just buys a board he gets out there he buys a board off the kid from don't tell mom the babysitter's dead hey man a lot of guys your age are learning to surf it's cool there's nothing wrong with it i'm 25 that's what i'm saying it's never too late did i looked up died nine years later oh no drug overdose oh no yep as far as i'm concerned this is a shared universe you know, they're from don't tell it's, mom. Yeah. It's yeah, the same kid. So. Yeah. He's the maitre d' at the party at the end. Um, so Keanu's trying to learn how to surf in surfing. You don't go near somebody's waves. Lol, as Mia. The wave is mine. <laughs> you don't go near somebody's wave. It's a sound garden song too. Is it? Yeah. I'll keep it off my wave. Go on. Oh, okay. So you don't go near somebody's wave. So uh bunker, I believe it is punches Johnny in the face, cuts his, uh, little leg thing. Whatever. Yeah. To keep the, yeah, the yeah, tether, tether thank the you. tether to the board cuts it. That's not enough just to punch him and cut his tether. When he goes to shower off, you've got bunker, cyborg, got cyborg. You've got <laughs> yeah, who's war, war child, Anthony Kiedis. You've got them all waiting for him. 
And there's this great Jim, play the audio of what they tell him. This the guy? Yeah. Okay. I know. This is where you tell me all about how locals rule and yuppie insects like me shouldn't be surfing the break and all that, right? <laughs> nope. That would be a waste of time. <laughs> We're just gonna fuck you up. <laughs> so Catherine Bigelow wanted everyone to do their own fight scenes and as many of their own stunts as possible. So the stunt coordinator held fight practices at his house. He had fight club. So he had fight club. He's like, come over my house. We're going to do this. So Anthony Kiedis was the only cast member to no show. He was probably under the bridge downtown drawing some blood or sucking someone's kiss. Because he no-showed, the stunt coordinator, it says they had him get knocked out with one punch, but that's not really what happens. He kind of gets, like, thrown down the beach. Yeah. yeah. And then fucking Bodhi shows up with karate, he'll kick your ass. Which I'm damn positive. I brought this up when we were watching that. The director, Bigelow saw Roadhouse and said, do that fucking kick shit stuff. Yeah. So that's why There's I another reference to Roadhouse in this movie because mm. Bodhi asks... Johnny, like, did you eat or something? He says, yeah, I was at Patrick's Roadhouse, is what he says. Really? I oh, never wow. noticed that. Yeah, there's a line that. in this movie where he says he was at Patrick's Roadhouse. Oh, fucking A, nice. Bodhi, yeah, I'm on him all day, right? He goes here, he goes there, he goes to Tower Records, buys some CDs, he has lunch at Patrick's Roadhouse. Matt, go ahead and give us your uh, the first scene you want to talk about. Well, I think there's like the elephant in the room, which is, I think, probably like the best action scene Ever. Yes, but I mean there are some other ones that we can talk about there. If, no, let's you, talk if about well, if we're talking about the Anthony Kiedis and that crew, the raid scene. Has that worthless quarterback punk partner of mine shown up yet? Right here. Ah, uh, well, very good of you to show up, hot shot. Now watch it. God, you're gonna tear my skin. God damn it. I'm ready to rock, Angela. Where you want me? Okay, here's how it is. Babbitt and Alvarez are gonna go in the back door. Cullen's gonna back me up. I want you at the side window by the hedge. Now, you're strictly backup. I don't want to burn your cover. Have you got that? Got it. Good. I take your position. It's showtime. So, I mean, we'll probably talk about yeah. the raid. And that's that's was shot in a really interesting way, too. And, and we were watching kind of the culmination of that scene where uh, the FBI is going in. This is where Tom Sizemore shows up, too. You know, they're raiding the house. So, so let's, crew. Let, yeah, let's set it yeah. up a bit. So yeah. Johnny convinces himself that these guys he fought at the beach. Right. I, he basically just thinks they're dicks. Yeah, big asshole. Well, and they have a rap sheet. Yeah, too. and then he has them, the plates ran right. and they have a rap sheet. So he's like, okay, they're dicks. They have a rap sheet. They're our guys. Mm. So it's the, his revenge. Yes. Yeah, so well, the FBI is yeah. going to raid his house. Yeah. Didn't do enough research, obviously, because these are not the guys. And there's an undercover cop in there who is Tom Sizemore. But there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on. The The crew sees somebody out the window, so they're armed. And so this is going to be a pretty big shootout. Pappas just narrowly escapes getting shot. Um, well, there's a naked woman who just is fucking people up. She yeah. is fucking amazing. Well, this, okay, two things about that. Pappas... He he's like staking it out yeah. to make sure it's good to enter and there's no one around the perimeter. Well, maybe even before we get that far, Keanu, Keanu almost didn't make it because he, he was, was having fucking. sex on yeah. the beach. <laughs> he was having sex on the beach. Oh, I'm late. Oh, oh no. Oh no. And Fuck. then uh, so Pappas is is staking out and he's pretending he's looking for his dog. Yeah, Scooby. He's going Scooby. Scooby. Come on, Scooby. Scooby, and it's like he. This is probably a beauty <laughs> thing. He probably didn't need to do that. They're just like. All right, Scripps says you're just going to walk around the perimeter of the house, make sure it's clear. And he he's looks like, like a lunatic who's looking for his dog. Yeah, he does. He does. So they, they go in the house. The naked woman in the shower, 
mm-hmm. is screaming her head off. Why wouldn't you be? People are getting blown away. But then at some point she like flips a switch, snaps out of it, and right. starts just fucking Beats people the shit up. out of Johnny Utah. Fucking just start stab happy on everybody else. She's yeah, fucking amazing. FBI While agent. naked, mm-hmm. bless her heart. So the culmination of that scene is after Utah gets his ass handed to him by this woman, he tackles uh, Cyborg out of the window. And then there sort of there's a tussle in front of a lawnmower, old school lawnmower. Yeah, very old. Just the Even one for 91, it makes no blade. sense. Yeah. But <laughs> as we're watching it, I said, like, this is just a visceral sort of like Johnny's face is about to get chopped off with this lawnmower. The guy keeps pushing his face into it. First, there's a knife and he puts the knife yeah. in the blade to pop it out, which sounds like a horrible idea. Yeah. And then Pappas shows up and shoots the lawnmower <laughs> that's right in front of Johnny's face instead of just shooting the guy. The whole thing doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Speak into the microphone, squid brain. But it's just the fact that it was like filmed in that sort of way. And this is just why it's a good action movie. You don't see things like you saw things in this movie. You didn't see in other movies. Yeah. Like the literal like blade and Johnny Utah's face right next to it. Like it, it gives it's you a like, great an shot. Adrenal, it's this is an adrenaline movie. And that's an adrenaline shot for sure. Why don't you uh, double up and go ahead. And let's talk about the best action sequence. Maybe. Oh, God. Ever yeah. in a- well, yeah, I guess you could probably preface it by saying there's a lot of good action scenes. So you mentioned like, yeah, whatever, Fast and Furious and all of that. But here is this is a movie that at least somewhat is grounded in reality. I guess this yeah. is probably like heightened reality. I would agree with that. Okay. That's the best way to put it. So, yeah, to, to continue to preface after the FBI raid that we just talked about. OK, the way that Johnny realizes that these are his guys yeah. other than being the only other like nefarious surf gang. Yeah. Uh-huh. But how does he realize that these are his guys? I didn't even put it together until we just watched it. The guy takes his ass out and this is a callback to the first, whatever 15 Scene, minutes yeah. of the movie yeah, where they, the first bank robbery where the guy takes his ass yeah, out. The first bank robbery mm-hmm. that Jim mentioned. And John C. McGinley, needs- let me just also say John C. McGinley at the beginning is like, this is how we do it in the, in the agency here. It's hard work. And we, you know, it's, you know, like the putting your, the leather to the street and we're going to, you know, it's hard work and all this research. You know what it ended up being? He just saw this guy's he ass saw, and he put it together with the other ass. The guy's it's two yeah. assholes together. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is how I just solved this crime. In the first bank robbery that, that Jim spoke of, as the one guy's leaving, He's got something written on his ass. I can't remember. I'll talk to you or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's thank you. And as he's exiting, he pulls his asshole out to show everybody in the bank. They probably had to go down to the station. Asshole lineup. But this is also how Pappas realized there were surfers because there's a tan line. Oh, but yeah. So, yeah. So Johnny is watching them surf. He's enjoying the watching them surf and then realizes the one guy while he's surfing, as you do. Yeah. Pulls his asshole out. You all right? You look like you saw a ghost. Forget about it, kid. They're ghosts. I gotta go. You gotta what? Listen, I forgot all about a meeting I have this morning, a new client. I got a jam, sorry, really. I'll call you later. Yeah, pulls his ass oh, he's a surfer that took his ass out? I think yeah. My guy. He, has my hair, he has a hairy ass. It's like, that's my dude. <laughs> and so, so he has to leave. He's like, oh, whoa. appointment. Sorry, Tyler. So then what they don't explain is how Johnny and Pappas guess the correct bank. They go and stake out a bank mm-hmm. or and it's just like right place, right time. Yeah. There might have been an explanation for it. I'd have to go back. I felt like there was maybe a, eh, you're probably right. Why would they have mentioned the bank or something like yeah. that? 
And that leads right into the fucking meatball sub sandwich. But I think he knew they were going to leave. Yeah. I would think so. He knew that they were leaving town, basically. Like, that's what it was. But he didn't know which bank it was. But they are staking out a bank. And that's kind of leads us into this scene of um, comic relief. It is, as I watched it, the rewatch, like rewatching it before this rewatch of it with you guys, I had to laugh my ass off because I was thinking about how it was written on the page of Busey just somebody comes up and tries to sell him oranges and yeah. he's like no 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 no, I don't need any oranges and a whole bag just, of oranges and then he's you. laughing at the oh, comics oh, like Calvin and Hobbes I think he says like turkey cemetery turkey yeah, cemetery and like. he's just <laughs> he's like <laughs> laughing his ass off yeah. and then deadpan stop I'm hungry and says Okay. I'm hungry. Go get it's lunchtime. And he's like, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. He's like, go get two meatball subs. <laughs> two meatballs. From, I mean, that might be, some, that might be yeah. some audio to isolate there, too. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's Calvin and Hobbes. It's funny. Oranges, sir. Take some oranges. You want some oranges? Dollar, sir. No. Dollar, no. Orange, no. We got a lot. We got a lot. Dollar, sir. No, thanks. Good luck. God. <laughs> For his turkey cemetery. Oh. It's time for lunch. Angelo, it's 10.30. Right around that corner, there is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Two. Thank you. Utah, give me two. Is that something that's written... Or is it just? I feel that's off the cuff. I feel like I feel like the script was like, "Guy will try and sell you oranges. Just say no, no oranges." You know, you're looking at a paper and then tell Utah it's lunchtime, and then Busey's like, "Got it. I got an idea. I don't want any fucking oranges. Turkey cemetery lunchtime. (laughs) (laughs) Meatball sandwich. Two two meatball sandwiches down around the corner. Two. Right. The thing about this is there's about to be a 15 minute long action scene, which is one of the best action scenes that's ever been filmed, and they're Uh. like. Just let Juicy do some crazy shit about meatballs. And they're like, okay, cool. But that does lead into basically Pappas is reading Calvin and Hobbes and does not see the car pull up yeah. with the ex-presidents. And Which so, how do you not? It's fucking right jo- there. Johnny's at the, the stand, the meatball it's a sub walk stand. Up, yeah, meatball yeah. sub stand. Yeah. It, Johnny is there with his back turned to the ex-presidents running into this mm-hmm. bank. You see him pulling up. And we never know if Pappas really eats the sub or not. He gets is- a bite. Oh, I would love to have seen him try to go after him and hold a sub and it just fucking spilling all over him. I think that's a deleted scene. I hope so. Um, But basically they're caught. They see Utah. So this is where we were wondering like who knows what and when. They definitely see that it's Johnny Utah. And in fact, this is something we didn't bring up when we were watching it, but they could have shot Keanu. Yeah. Yo, big time. Yeah. Swayze knocks the gun out of one of the president's hands so they don't shoot at him. Yeah. So what is going on there? Yeah. There's a lot well, of times. They have as much bromance for him as he does oh, for they them. Do. Exactly, exactly. As Morgan Freeman would say, at this point, the ex-presidents have the upper hand. Because <laughs> they know it's, they know it's, all right, they're like, okay, this is where we stand. So then a car chase ensues. So yeah. this is almost like three different action set yeah. pieces. So, so there's good. there's that at the beginning. There's the car chase. And then there's like the secondary thing at the gas station yeah. where he's Swayze's trying to, first of all, just get people away from him, but well, also burn the car. Yeah. So their car, they run over spike strips. Right. So they cannot drive this car any it's longer. Fucked. So they pull into a gas station, douse it in gasoline, mm-hmm. set it on fire, take another car. Or you see, cannot shoot the president's point blank. Yeah, at yeah. all. No! 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 Shit! 
Uh, At but all. They, the rest of the presidents get away. And then it is just Keanu chasing down Bodie, uh, Utah versus Bodie, yeah. which, which honestly might be might harken back to the football scene where it seems like he's chasing Keanu. Yeah, oh, excellent! Keanu's chasing yeah. for like a lo- like way too long, way too long on the beach. Yeah, but then th- this is another chase scene, so maybe they were and, setting it up. With and that. this chase scene is through backyards, over fences, In upstairs, homes. through houses, right. opening sliding doors. You know, at one point Bodie, because I said, why are all these doors just unlocked? But Bodie locks one of the doors, and then Utah just goes through it. Uh, and then the lady's hitting him with, like, a broom. And the dog uh, gets bo- thrown at him. Exactly. <laughs> what happens in this scene? He punts a dog. Uh, Bodie picks up, uh, like, a pit bull. and A big fucking pit bull. Throws it right. at Johnny, he catches who catches it. it, and then punts it. Yeah. But hold on. This is John Wick. Yeah. This is John Wick punting a dog, by the yeah. way. The whole nexus of, of John Wick is that his dog gets killed. He had a major crisis over whether he could do John Wick because he was like, I punted a dog before. But hold on, is this, is this a shared universe? Everything John, is. John, Johnny goes to John. I don't know. It's, it's a babysitter Wick universe. <laughs> yeah, this, this uh, chasing in and out of the houses and stuff, I brought it up while we were watching. If any of you out there have seen season one of True Detective, there's this amazing episode, this suspenseful where Matthew McConaughey has to infiltrate this um, this low-income housing neighborhood. And it's like a 45-minute continuous shot mm. of just like in and out. And that's kind of what this reminds me of as a, a precursor where Carrie Fukunaga, I'm sure, saw this scene and was oh, like... For sure. Yeah, that's But this what, is stuff you did not see in 1991. No. And no. speaking of like how this movie got into my DNA somehow, I can remember being a kid, being a teenager, and we would do some dumb things. Like we would run from the police on purpose, like thinking 2021, that's such a horrible. Oh yeah. I would say so. (laughs) But but we would just do dumb suburban kid stuff. And I can remember running through backyards. I had everything like mapped out in my mind of my neighborhood. And like, nobody's going to catch me like sliding through, but between like, not that the houses were this close, like it's not like Malibu or anything like that, or I'm picking up dogs and throwing them at anybody. But for some reason in my mind, I'm like, is this point break? (laughs) (laughs) Am I living point break right now? Like running through backyards and doing all of this stuff. Such a weird memory that just came like flooding back to me as I was watching this movie. I'm like, wow, I didn't even like make that connection until I was watching it. But this movie is just like ingrained in me somehow. I don't know how, but that is, I don't know. That scene is amazing. And then basically the end of it is Keanu. Yeah. This is like maybe what this movie is. Right. A lot of people like, okay, you name point break. What do people go to? Keanu jumps over this big wall down in like the trenches that you see in every LA movie. Grease. Terminator 2. Terminator 2. Everything. So Keanu jumps down into the, uh, but he's got the old football injury. Came back. So he twists his knee, can't stand up. Bodie starts scaling a fence. Johnny's got a clear shot. He could shoot Bodie, but instead he rolls over on his back. He fires into the air and kneels off. Uh, No, no. As his leg discharges his entire weapon and Bodie gets away. Jim, go ahead and give us your next best scene. I love the scene where the first time Utah and Pappas really screw the fucking pooch, Harp just lays into them left and right. Special Agent Utah, this is not some job flipping burgers at the local drive in. Yes, the surfboard bothers me. Yes, your approach to this whole goddamn case bothers me. And yes, you bother me. It's almost an uninterrupted fucking two minute. Just I'm going to rip these guys a new fucking asshole. And it's John C. McGinley as John C. McGinley could ever be John C. McGinley. It's fucking phenomenal. The amount of shit he lays on those two. And Pappas, 
Oh, for the love of Christ. Just how the hell did I ever even let you talk me into this whole boneheaded idea to begin with? Harp, we're working undercover. It takes time. We produced a few... No, 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 no! Let me tell you what you've produced. Over the last two weeks, you two have produced exactly squat! Squat! And basically, Keanu being Keanu the whole time... I fucking yeah, love it. Keanu's a rookie. My first Ke wave today. Yeah, yeah. Keanu's <laughs> That's all he says. He's I a rookie. Wave. He's a rookie, but he's an asshole. He's a real like, asshole. He's, he is not. Yeah, it's it's weird how defiant he is. Yeah. Caught my first tube this morning, sir. I, Can I do a John C. McGinley question? Did this start young, dumb, and full of cum? I'm sure it had to have been a phrase, but I don't think it was like in the lexicon. Hey, you're a real blue flame special, aren't you, son? Young, dumb, and full of cum. I know. I, it definitely this. wasn't in a lexicon. Yeah. It almost sounds like a military. Mm -hmm. It had to have been a military well, thing. It was, was in was platoon. It, was it in platoon? It might have been in platoon. Learned and it he on just set a platoon. Yeah, maybe. With Charlie Sheen, who was almost fucking Johnny Utah. Yeah. My uh, my next one. Johnny jumping out of the plane with no parachute. Fuck you! Because so, it makes sense. They, for, ah! they force him to go on the bank robbery. They're going to make him take the fall for the robbery. So Bodie and Roach jump out. Johnny's like on this plane by, by himself. This he, is your. This is the second one. This is not yeah, the first one. No. This is the, the final jump, one. This is the no parachute one. Yeah. He grabs Bodie's gun and he just like Fuck it. spontaneously jumps out of an airplane with no parachute. Now, the interesting thing about just parachute jumps in this movie in general, or, or from what I read, Patrick Swayze was a big skydiving enthusiast before this movie. Who had jumped out of planes over 50 times? It's fucking insane. So for insurance purposes, the movie were like, no more jumps. You're not like the wind. No recreational, you know, jumping during filming, even though he'd sneak off anyway. And at one point, took Gary Busey skydiving. I would love to I have had somebody that. film that. I wish that was on camera. So oh, in God. his autobiography, he says it was actually his brother, Don, who was the big skydiving th enthusiast. Told you fucking Don, man. Yeah. But uh, Mythbusters did an episode on this scene because Johnny, he dives out of the, the plane with no parachute. Reaches terminal velocity. And yeah. He starts like beelining for it. It doesn't almost seem possible that if they have that big of a head start, a few second head start, how he could catch up. Mythbusters did an episode on this scene in 2003 and determined that the two couldn't hold a conversation because they have this whole like, Do it or you're going to die, Johnny. Six seconds. We're going to be meat waffles. Got to pull the, you, we're going to be meat waffles. Got to pull the parachute. Six seconds. They couldn't have a conversation and they couldn't free fall for this scene's like 90 seconds of free falling. But they did determine it was possible for Utah to be able to catch Bodie just with dive angle. Yeah. So Bodie's got the full traditional, you know, skydiving pose. He's splayed out. Which you'd probably want to do because then that's going to prolong the wind amount resistance. of time you're in the air. Yeah, wind resistance. But uh, Utah kind of tilts himself like, like a missile. He's like a scud heading straight for Bodie. So I, I like that scene because it's, it's nuts. It's like, we're going to have a guy jump out of a plane with no parachute and survive. It's like Sandra Bullock and gravity, which sucks. <laughs> Another and gravity Keanu reference. was with Sandra Bullock in Speed. So. There we go. Where's Paul Abdul? <laughs> She's not in Speed. Or She's doing cocaine somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Things you're missing from that scene, though, too. There's some great... I don't think we've talked about lines a lot. 
Mm-mm. some great lines in this. So that was, <laughs> you want me so bad. It's like acid in your mouth. Yeah, That's I love right it. Before he jumped. I know you want me so bad. It's like acid in your mouth. Or if you don't pay attention, you think he says it's like ass in your mouth. Right. It's like, okay. Well, I don't know what the phrase, you know, like you want me so bad. It's like acid, acid in, your in your mouth. mouth. I never heard that before or after. And it's never been ever heard again. But it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I like it. And then at the end, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the relationship in a moment. We have to. But they're kind of laying there. They barely get the chute opened enough and they crash and they're just kind of like laying there in a heap. Yeah. You know, sweaty, a big sweaty man heap. Swayze just kind of rolls over and says, you're one radical son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, you are one radical son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you two... Between three of us, pretty yeah, much covered. Anybody else have anything they want to? Uh, I'm good. Best scenes? Did you? I mean, honorable mention. You can talk about the football scene. Did we talk well, about the football? We did scene? not talk about the football. Beach we football? did not. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's definitely something. Yeah. Um, so when when uh, Bodie shows up to do karate and kick all the dudes' asses with Johnny, he invites him to a party. Right. You know, they're walking along. He has a 57 Chevy, which he also had in Dirty Dancing. That's right. Shared wow. universe. Johnny Castle became Bodie. They, he invites him to a party, goes to this party. Everybody's appears to be on drugs. But what do you do at a party? You play some night football on the beach. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, there's some Lori Petty touchdowns. There's yeah. some interesting blocking that I don't know if that yeah there's like some instead of tackling he just like is doing like shoulder like there's Kevin, a lot of just like shoulder chucks and then like oh there's is, not just shoulders it, they, people are getting fucking trucked <laughs> yeah. like he's trucking the shit out of people like Keanu he's hitting fucking the hit stick for Madden missing them uh, messing them up and then there is like that long chase of Keanu getting him into the water and then that's the realization and Kevin like, you brought up the fact talk. that they filmed that beach scene at the same beach the same spot for Karate Kid yeah, yeah. we did a deep end on Karate Kid right. there's a Karate Kid like uh, soccer scene where daniel meets ali for the first, first time. time so the, the final thing i want to mention before we're done with best scenes is the, the final scene sure. so nine months pass because you know Bodie gets away to mexico and i'll talk about this a little bit more in depth later but keanu uh johnny utah chases Bodie to bell's beach australia and when they arrive special agent utah i knew i could count on you i've been to every city in mexico Came across an unclaimed piece of meat in Baja. Turned out to be Rosie. Guess he picked a knife fight with somebody better. Found a passport of yours in Sumatra. Missed you by about a week in Fiji. But I knew you wouldn't miss a 50-year storm, Bodie. Bodie's getting ready to surf. Because you had said, I didn't bring up the 50-year storm. Sure. So, Bodie has this theory that there's like this major you know the biggest waves you've ever once seen in a lifetime. once in a lifetime there's a 50-year storm that they're talking about and you know utah's like whoa what is that like it's it's <laughs> exposition we get a, a ton of explanation so at the end of the movie that that sets it up Bodie's ready to ride, ride these waves and he's gonna die oh big time he's gonna not survive riding these waves but johnny shows up it's pouring rain we're in australia bell's beach and they fight during the fight, he manages to get handcuffs on him. And Bodie's like, no, 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 no. In and, a weird voice, yeah. in a weird cadence. And then he he's like, let me go. You know, there's cliffs on both sides. I'm not going to paddle to New Zealand. I'm not going to paddle to New Zealand. Meanwhile, all the fucking SWAT and the Calvary are there. Yeah. So then Johnny goes, 
you know what? You're right. And he unhandcuffs him and lets him surf before. And he just walks away. He doesn't even watch. Like Johnny doesn't stand there and you watch. Tell, him what are you doing? He just walks away. He throws the badge in, in the water. And that's how our movie ends. Yeah. Again, I, I want to get into that a little and, bit more in depth. And everybody's dead. Yeah. The only people that are still alive are Keanu and, and Tyler. Tyler. And, and we, we don't, don't know, know what happens with Tyler. We don't know what happens no with idea. Tyler. And this, and this, again, another key that we will talk about of how is she important? What is the relationship between these two yeah. gentlemen? We'll talk about it. Okay. That said, let's get out of the pool. No uh, 50 year waves for us. Bull check. The last time that Matt was here, we picked musical performances by actors. We all remember the Peter Weller performance in Buckaroo Bonsai. Just fantastic yes. how well he sings. This time, we do the opposite. We pick acting performances by musicians. There's a ton of them. There's a lot. There's musicians who became full-blown permanent actors. There are like a one-time sort of thing, like, like you know, not to give away somebody's pick, but Lady Gaga in uh, in a Star, a Star is Born. Born. She hasn't been in anything else that I know of, right? So that's like a, a one-time thing. So with that said, uh, who wants to kick off our picks, Chief? Mm. Which uh, you're number five? I think as I was even walking down here with Jim, I'm like, I can. There's ones that I know I cannot pick. Yeah. Because Jim's <laughs> Jim's going to pick them for sure. I have some great honorable mention ones though, but let me say five ice cube. Yeah. Yeah. So it, this is, this is tough to say because it is, you were kind of explaining it to me. And what I was thinking about it is are, is it a good musician who shows up in something or is it a musician who shows up and is actually a good actor? Like these are two very separate things. Early ice cube was brilliant. Great like intimidating all of those things boys in the hood uh see i've got ice cube and boys in the hood was like playing he was like typecast for that right, because time. that's his life that's yeah. what he lived so boys in the hood was like there's nwa he was great. At the time he was yeah. great in boys in the hood but you know just to play devil's advocate say like okay he lived that he knew how to act that but like once he started branching out a little bit and was in some other like things. Friday. Like Friday. I mean, Friday is yeah. still the same ballpark, but like Friday, he wrote it and he directed it. I mean, it's it's crazy. Players Club. How did he end up as an action? He was in the Triple X. Yeah. What was it? The yeah. second one. How? I have yeah. no what idea. this dude's career? And then at the end, he's like, I'm just doing road trip movies. Yeah. With kids. <laughs> like, well, the, the best like me. What is going is on? It, it's like at first I was like, and it's got Ice Cube with the machine gun, hat down, you know, back Boys in the Hood days. And it's got him fishing in one of those, right. like, oh god, yeah, you know, family. Are we there comedies. yet? Is yeah. that what? It, are we there? I have Ice Cube number two. So, oh, that's tough. Okay, no, you're good. We, go. we don't no, have to good. do But I just want to say too, I just love Ice Cube as an entertainer, as a person. Yeah. His music's awesome. I've always loved Ice Cube. See, and Ice Cube's one who, for the most part, left music behind after the acting started. Well, I think he knew this is a hip hop's a tough thing yeah. to people to continuously be at the top of your game. Yeah. So I can see why I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go do the acting thing. All right. My number five, super weird one. I think it was just a one-off Tina Turner and Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. Oh, that's Ooh, right. That is a good one. Anti-entity. She, she runs Town, and <laughs> Master uh, Blaster. she also recorded a smash hit song. We don't need another hero for the soundtrack, which did well on the charts. So not a lot to say. She's just, uh, I feel like Mad Max was like, who can we get to run Barter Town? And they're like, Tina Turner. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. But it's also a time and a place thing where her star was as big as it could ever be yeah. at that point. Yes. And you're like, yeah, 
Put him in yes. the fucking movie. Let's do, yes, of we, course. We want that. This makes perfect sense. Retrospect, it's like, that's weird. Yeah. But at the time, she was an enormous star. Okay, so my number five, I'd be remiss. I'm going to get him out of the way right now. Hey, guys, how's it going? It's Marky Mark. Mm. I mean, for God's sake, David fucking McCall. He's a part of this podcast. That's my number one, and it's because for both Boogie Nights. Oh, Jesus Christ. So Boogie good. Boogie Nights is so great. So good. And Paul Thomas Anderson just like pulled the fucking acting life out of Marky Mark. Out of Mark Wahlberg. And I can't bring up Mark Wahlberg without mentioning he did commit a hate crime. <laughs> yes, we have to. Uh, and, <laughs> but he, he got this acting performance and Boogie Nights is just incredible. But then we also got the happening. That we love and we cherish and ever he's so another much. One. You're, missing, you're missing something else. And this is a movie that is not get a lot of love, but I talk about it with my friends a lot. Four brothers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please bring me on for the four brothers podcast. Yeah. If you do it. Uh, oh uh, my God. Yeah. yeah That's like one. a fever dream movie that I watched with Frank Kevin's third event where it's like, what is going on? Yeah. Well, I think it was on mute and we're just like, this is, this movie's insane. Yeah. But he's and, great in that too. I and he's just and killing it. Mark, Mark Wahlberg is another one. Marky Mark, no way he could sustain that music career. He did good vibrations and he did like it's a, a product of the time. He did like a Lou Reed cover of Take a Walk on the Wild Side, and that was his career. All right, Matt, what's your number four? Number four. These are these are really tough. And I'm these are all sentimental picks. I'm gonna say Elvis. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah. There's another call. another movie that is just weirdly in my life is just watching an Elvis movie when I was in Europe, Clambake. For whatever yeah. reason, he was just on all these musical. I don't. He was in so many movies. And that was another thing where they were just like, "Elvis, such a big star. Like we can, how we can, can do we some other stuff? How on. can we capitalize on this?" Yeah. So yeah, he did. It's movies. It's a movie. That's all you have to say, really. It's movies. Okay. I needed to put uh, that in there, I guess. Uh, my number four, super duper weird to think about again in retrospect. It's Debbie Harry in Videodrome. Oh, oh God, that's right. On my list. They yeah. were like, okay, we got this weird body horror movie. Mm-hmm. Why don't we get Debbie Harry, who still was pretty notable and yeah, a big name Blondie, from yeah. Blondie. And again, they pull this amazing performance out of her. I mean, this is like a, a Criterion movie. This is a crazy art horror movie. And it's like, we're going to get Debbie Harry, who's a musician, and we're going to have her turn in this incredible performance in this weird movie. I totally agree. That's a good one, dude. Yeah, she did. She was in some really cool stuff. Even later on, like indie movies and stuff. Like she was just kind of like in the conversation in the ether, just yeah. kind of around. Yeah. Debbie Harry is awesome. My number four, you brought up Four Brothers, directed by John Singleton, who also did Too Fast, Too Furious. He casted Tyrese Gibson because he directed him. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I got to go Tyrese. I mean, holy shit. Tyrese. 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 Singleton casted him because he directed him in Too Fast, Too Furious. I would be wrong if I didn't mention Tyrese in this. I was like, ah, Ludacris or Tyrese. I'm going to go Tyrese. Wow. Because I, I, I remember even, not even like on the fucking radar. For I, I remember <laughs> in high school, this is probably my junior year. So it's around 99. Tyrese came out with his first album called 2000 Watts. I'll okay. never forget this. Because right. it was always like a running joke in school. We'd always be like walk around the hall and be like, hey, how many watts you have? <laughs> I got 2000 fucking watts. <laughs> he had this song called Sweet Lady. And okay. we all used to make all our own lyrics to the song Sweet Lady. And then lo and behold. Who is this in Too Fast, Too Furious? The fucking 2000 Watts guy. 
So I have to go with Tyrese All here. Right. It's that's, excellent. That's fun. Wow. So we tied four brothers into that. Bingo. Okay. I love it. Matt, so, you're number three. My number three, um, piggybacking off of Tyrese, somebody, I mean, probably in the same stratosphere for sure, David Bowie. Oh, you can't, you can't yeah. think David Bowie without thinking Tyrese. Yeah. <laughs> How many watts does he have? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But he had a pretty long career too. Another person, like we we're talking about the casting and point break. You're like, I just like seeing these people in movies. Whenever I'd see David Bowie, and I'm like, this is kind of distracting, but I liked it. David, David Bowie. Bowie. I think uh, I like it. Man, I agree. Man who fell to earth. Okay. Awesome, like weird RT alien movie. And then the labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. He was in the Prestige too. Yeah. Towards the yeah, end, which Tesla, is a cool. Or, yeah. 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 Pretty neat. Yeah. And I just like David Bowie a lot. My number three, which is my last pick, and then you two can pinball back and forth. It's Prince in Purple Rain. Oh, yeah. I, that was, that which, was, I had Prince again, too. Uh, sometimes an artist gets so big that you've got to find a, a way. And, but Purple Rain is like a Prince vehicle and yeah. it's like partly autobiographical. And you know, Prince was like a psycho over the control of how his character was like perceived and, mm -hmm. and presented. So Prince just like comes off as the kid, you know, this cool character who's, you know, kind of feuding with his band a little bit over control. And he's got this whole thing with his dad, you know, that whole abusive relationship. And then him with um, Apollonia, Apollonia. Yeah. yeah. And bathe yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Prince is amazing. I talked about him on the, the last time I was on too. Um, just a huge Prince fan. There's also an amazing Prince book that came out not too long ago that is sort of, it was going to be an autobiography written with somebody else too. And then he died, but it's a lot of like Prince letters and photography and all this stuff that came out maybe like a year or two ago or something like that. But it's a great book. I don't know. I'm just a I, big Prince fan. I love it. I want to go. And they, and they do talk about Purple Rain and all the movie. And yeah. All that stuff too. My uh, kids want to go to Mall of America. We can double team this into Paisley Park. Oh, also. that'd be great. Like, Go to the Mall of America and then, hey, kids, we're going to go see a purple house. Yeah, fuck yeah. They're like, oh, cool. That's fine. I like purple. And these are the only two things <laughs> yeah. we see and then we leave. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going home. So my number two would be Justin Timberlake. Mm. And I totally forgot until Lillard brought it up. I'm like, yeah, no shit. He, Alpha Dog, Social Network, the movie that most people don't really ever talk about, the kind of ode to Logan's run in time bio clocks you have in your arm and you had to buy time to stay alive which is an interesting premise. for me yeah. timberlake's like social network where he's sean parker and he's pretty good and then it's everything else yeah they're just like this is justin timberlake yeah, he's a cameron big... diaz we've seen a movie with cameron diaz i think oh, yeah. they did like a rom but he's okay. like he's a big star let's just fucking throw it at the wall and pretty much see what he can be in yeah he does he's a mila kunis romantic comedy one yeah it's, you know tech and flash mobs and stuff's weird what's your number two hmm I'm going to do some punk rock stuff. Okay. Yeah. I do like Joe Strummer was in movies. Cool. From the clash. Yeah. But we also have to say LL Cool J. Oh, yeah. there you go somewhere with that. Damn it. That's not the right one. <laughs> Is that your number one? No, 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 no. I, for some reason, I thought you were going to say Joey Ramone. I was thinking. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I, he's definitely not a punk hey, rock guy. I want some pizza. LL yeah. Cool J found himself oh, a pocket and lived in it. Love it. For everything. A long time. Yeah. He was just like, talk about people's weird careers. I mean, Ice Cube kind of did it, but LL, yeah. LL Cool J hit it big, then fell off the face of the fucking earth, came out with All World in 92, and then from that all point on, yeah, he fucking did stratosphere. Deep Blue Sea, and he gets like a Sunday. Yeah. He did Rollerball, which it's we've like done in this podcast. Yeah, he did do Rollerball. Yeah, he's yeah. been in a, a, he just found NCIS. Yeah, he just found what he was oh my good God. at. Yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah. He was just a television star for yeah. 10 years at least, too. Yeah, yeah, I just found what he was good at. And Hello, Cool J. I do have a beef. 
slight beef with LL Cool J. Wait, he does took, he know that you have a beef? Well, I'm declaring beef now, so okay. he's going to hear this. Yeah, and do you guys have like a, a noise, like a beef alert? We should have a hit beef the, alert. Jim, hit the beef, hit the beef alert. alert. Beef alert. Beef alert. Oh, shit. We got beef alert. Okay, there's the fucking beef alert. <sighs> Damn. Guess what's going to happen? Hey, uh, LL, you stole my line. Ladies love Cool James. That's my fucking name. Ladies love Cool James. That's me. Dude, you weren't even born yet. Motherfucker, I was six when he thought of that shit. I was alive. So, LL Cool J, a cool thing that he did, which Prick. is still ridiculous to think about. So, they got LL to do these Gap commercials. Yeah. And it's just him in front of a white screen, like, fresh is hot. Like, it's just yelling at the camera. And But in the commercial for The Gap, he wore FUBU stuff. Oh. So, okay. they The Gap had no idea what FUBU was, and it launched FUBU into the stratosphere huh. at that very small window of time, which I'm going to talk about, you know, when we get to waste of time later, I'm going to talk about the small window of time, this era of late 90s, early 2000s. But FUBU launched into the stratosphere. Inner city kids and, and stuff who looked up to LL Cool J were going in Gap, and they were like, we want FUBU. And they're like, what the fuck is FUBU? <laughs> yeah. They had no idea. They didn't sell it at For the Gap. Us, by us. And I think Gap probably missed the boat because... Anytime you can grab another demographic, especially for free, yeah. that's a two for one. That's two birds, one, one stone. If they would have made a deal with Damon. Damon Dash. Yeah. And then said, okay, we're going to start carrying some FUBU and Gap. Win-win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they but didn't. I still have my FUBU stuff. Nice. So my number one. In high school, they if you were a white kid who wore FUBU, they told you it stood for Forever United Black Union. Really? Yeah, that's what the, at Niles, that's what the, uh, if you were a white kid who wore FUBU, you were in the Forever United Black Union. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Even though it's Forrest Bias. Yes. Uh, that's Niles, though. Everybody had their own little thing. But my number one. Number one. Dolly Parton. Ooh, nice. So I remember that as a kid. My mom loved the movie 9 to 5. She was also in The Best Little Lower House in Texas, which she also did the soundtrack to. So those are, fuck, those two movies stood out to me as a kid. So I had to pick Dolly Parton. And fucking Dolly World. Talk about a great amusement park. Yeah. Holy shit. Dolly's the best. She's our, the best, best breasts. Our friend Nick Geidner did that documentary. Yep. That's right. About, about her book. That's and right. But I feel kid. like Dolly Parton should count for two. For <laughs> two two spots. I'm sorry for lefty and righty. I think you have to. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. You're cheating. But that's if you, okay. I mean, in all seriousness, note when it came to like actresses and people of notoriety, was she had to have been the first one that brought breast augmentation to the forefront? Would you right. not say? But then also too, like it was groundbreaking in the sense that that they were so big. No, uh, <laughs> groundbreaking in the sense that she was doing like romantic, like the comedy. Yeah. Like it was breakthrough stuff. It was great. For sure. Yeah. Just the personality. All right, Liller, what was your number one? Um, number one. This might be kind of a controversial one, but uh, I, I got to throw it out there. Uh, Billy Joel. Oh, no. Here we go. Uh-oh. No. Oh, here comes World War Seven. Leaving. I sent Jim a picture yesterday. We went to breakfast. <laughs> this guy looked like Billy Joel. I was like, I'm going to go fight this guy for looking too much like Billy Joel. And I said, I'd <laughs> fucking pay for the guy's breakfast. Hey, motherfucker, you look too much like Billy Joel. I'm going <laughs> to kick your ass. What was Billy Joel in? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I did look on IMDb. Okay. It was like in a, How I Met Your Mother or yeah. something. <laughs> so how did we get through all the picks and nobody mentioned Will Smith? Oh, I know. Yeah, he's totally definitely. I I assume he forgot. was one of your. Yeah. Now Will yeah. Smith is one where we had a couple that we mentioned that started as as rappers or singers as musicians and then left music altogether. Will Smith's one who went back and forth because DJ Jazzy Jeff, uh, Fresh, Fresh Prince, Prince, and then he started doing movies, took off in movies. 
went back, did like big uh, Willie style, yeah, big Willie style. Did Miami had all those number ones, and then Wild Wild West to ninety nine. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. did soundtracks for Men in Black, Wild yep. Wild West, and uh, yeah, it's Will Smith weird career. Honorable mentions. Let's start throwing some out. Tupac, Tupac, so much. Yeah, Poetic Justice, DMX. Who found himself a pocket with, yeah. uh, he did it with the movie of Belushi. That's yeah. right. He did Belly. He did a couple. Uh, Red Man, Meth Man, How High. Yeah. Weird Al did UHF. Oh, shit. So I've never seen UHF, but. One of my favorite. How oh, are you son of a <laughs> Yeah. Never seen uh, it. I love UHF. Yeah. Lauren Hill, Sister Act 2. Okay. Mad- oh, that's right. Madonna, League of Their oh, Own. Oh, shit, yeah. In there. Lori yep. Petty. And then uh, Eminem, <laughs> 8 Mile. Yep, E Minum. Any other honorable mentions that we didn't. Uh, Meatloaf. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Mr. A Day. Club. I would almost say as like tandem people I just like seeing in movies, Tom Waits yeah. and Dwight Yoakam. They're probably in my mind the same. They probably, they do play different types yeah. of characters. I don't well, think like Tom Waits has been like a bad guy. Or I feel like, like uh, Tom Waits is just like a, you know, he's a weirdo pops up in movies right. and then Dwight Yoakam usually plays like a drunk dad. <laughs> right. He always does. Just some sort of weird, evil kind of dude. Tim McGraw. I know you're going to mention him. Yeah. Tim McGraw. Courtney Love. <laughs> Yeah, Courtney Love was in People vs. Larry Flint. You can say Fred Armiston and Portlandia. Yep. What's her last name? Brownstone. 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 Kenny. Yeah. Um, Is that my list? I think that's my list. Yeah, there's there's a Henry Rollins. Yeah. And he's in The Chase, which also has Anthony Kiedis and Flea. There you go. That's right. There we go. And Henry Rollins plays a cop. It's just (laughs) like so (laughs) fucking great. Rollins, he's going to be a cop. It's so good. Let's get back in the pool. It's a big wave coming. Everybody back in the pool. So when you're out of the pool, you go to the concession stand. And for the critical question this week, I just want to mention right around the corner, there's a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. If I were to send our friend Utah, how many would you want? How many meatball sandwiches do you think you could eat in one sitting? Oh, Jesus. Jim, it's well documented. You eat eight <laughs> hot dogs at a time. I have. I've ate a whole pack. How many meatball, we'll call them subs because they're subs. Yeah, they're not a sandwich. They're not the round sandwich. They're the subs. How many meatball subs could you eat in one sitting? Here's the difference between hot dogs and meatballs. The, the density is a one big question. Plus, you're dealing with the bread. I'm not a biggest meatball sub guy. I could probably, I could probably do two. I could probably do two. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not get crazy. We're, t- we're talking like sandwich factory. Yeah. Like, sandwich factory. Fans? Oh, Dude, wow. Those are big ass sandwiches. That's, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of meatball. Yeah. I could take down two. Yeah. I'm, I think- and I'm not a hot dog person. I, I get my fill of hot dog pretty quick. But now I, if we I, went I to Subway and got meatball subs, I'm pretty sure I could do three because they're like smaller yeah. meatballs. Right. I mean, I guess there's a difference between are like, are we trying to ruin our day and just prove how many we can eat or like. That's how many can the, you that's, eat that's and still I function? That's I think how it'd I be eat f- normally anyways. <laughs> I like, think it'd I'm be funny it. to just get completely wrecked on food and then try to record a podcast afterwards. If, <laughs> well, really, the plan was if we were going to do this later in the day, and I actually don't think they're open, was to get Sandwich Factory oh. meatball subs. They are delicious. How great would that have been? Yeah. Hey, give me two. He says it three times. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Give me two. <laughs> he says, give me two. Two. Come on, partner. Two. two. And two. then when Utah walks away, he holds the two out the window, which is like the iconic. Utah. Give me two. At the Point Break Live show, they that was the intermission, that letter right up to intermission. Oh, but they perfect. Did, but everybody is so amped for it. Yeah. Like everybody in the crowd is like, oh, 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 because you're supposed to like say lines as they come up and everything. And then they did, give me two. And it like echoed. <laughs> two, two, two. <laughs> it's like perfect. All right. Yeah. It is the, the logic portion of our podcast. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. 
should have allowed nature to take its course. That's right, Marky Mark. You're exactly right. So the, the biggest thing I want to mention logic, and I think, Matt, I think you have a theory about this as well, but let me go ahead and say, Johnny tracks Bodie for nine months before he, he catches up with him in Australia just to let him go. Like he wasted nine months of his life for nine months. Did he fully believe he told himself in his heart of hearts, I'm going to find Bodie, get that son of a bitch. I'm going to get him and I'm going to bring him back. Or did he just change his mind on a whim? He was like, I'm going to get Bodie. I'm going to get him. I'm going to bring him back. I'm going to, you know, go on with my cop career. And then he handcuffs him and he looks in his eyes and he just has a change of heart. Look at it. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity, man. Just let me go out there. Let me get one wave before you take me. One wave. Now where am I going to go, man? Cliffs on both sides. I'm not going to paddle to New Zealand. My whole life has been about this moment, Johnny. Come on, compadre. He's like, I have to let him go. See, what I think is that he knew he wasn't going to survive that wave. So well, I, yeah. So it basically, he said his goodbyes. Like, but I'm then not, why follow him for nine months? I have no idea. Why not just, he was going to, yeah. whether Johnny showed up and arrested him or not, Bodie was going on that wave. Yeah. So he follows it up by just quitting spontaneously. He just spontaneously says, you know, throws his badge or whatever. We'll get him when he comes back in. He's not coming back. My theory is that he stayed on the FBI payroll for nine months, just collecting a check until he found Bodie. All he wanted to do was say goodbye to Bodie. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I think. Yeah. He just spent nine months getting paid by the FBI so that he could say goodbye to his friend. Bio con Dios. Yeah. Go with God. Yeah. This is a really interesting dynamic between these two characters. And I think it's kind of, I don't know. I think it's lazy and kind of lame. If you see stuff on Twitter where people take two characters and they're like, oh, they're homosexuals. They have a relationship and blah. It seems pretty lazy at this point. Yeah, like, pretty much. I'm thinking I saw like somebody retweet something about Luca. There's like a Disney yeah. animated movie yeah. that came out and they're like, oh, what's going on with these? It's like, okay, just give it a break. Yeah. Like just watch. What's wrong with just is, having a mutual admiration yeah. society for right. one another? Like, dude, I fucking admire what you've done. Well, that's fine. Right. That's just like. And this is coming from somebody who I had used to be an English teacher and had to read and write a lot of critiques on literature and movies and all of this stuff. And so like you find a theory and you have a thesis and you flesh I, it out just, and you do all this stuff. But now it's just like, oh, it's two seconds. A, it's like, oh, look at these two characters. They're such like a misogynistic together. culture because like when you're a boy, you grow up like you don't want to go hang out with girls like you want to be with your friends all the all time. The time. Right. And then at some point you become enamored with girls and then it becomes, you know, in quotes, gay to be with your guy friend all the time. Like like you two guys. Yeah. Like, yeah, pretty much, like we yeah. go ride roller coasters together and stuff. Yeah. I'm sure people probably have opinions on us sitting next to each other on a roller coaster and stuff. But it's we, like we went to see the sunrise on a beach at yes, four in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Together. Like, OK. But what's wrong with that? Like, yeah, that's girls do that together. Yeah, a guy and a girl do that. Shit, like, what's man. it matter? Who yeah. cares? With, with all that said, <laughs> <laughs> let me rewind it all the way back. <laughs> These two guys in this movie, my theory after watching it again is that have you ever seen somebody And I've probably been guilty of this too. If you have a friend where they're in a relationship and they just screw their lives up so badly oh, yeah. or it's like, oh, I meet somebody and I'm like ignore my family. I ignore my oh, friends. Yeah. I take yeah. my career and I flush it down the toilet. Yeah. I do all of that stuff. That is clearly what is going on yes, big with time. Johnny Utah where it's like, okay, even though I, I ruined my knee, I'm a top recruit in the FBI and I'm just going to throw it all yes. away for this dude. Why? He gets his partner killed. He gets a cop killed. He gets a security guard killed. Everybody dies. 
And then the girl he gets at the end is almost like secondary. Yeah. You don't and, even hear and, from and her. The, movie, yeah. the evidence of the movie exactly supports that because if she was anything to him, we would see them together at the end of the movie or something. Right. But no, it's just... He's literally throwing his career yeah. away at the end yeah. for this dude. And what is it? What is the connection? Because Swayze, like I said before, they had an opportunity to shoot at him yeah. at the one robbery and they didn't do it. He knocks the gun out of the guy's hand. So what is the unspoken... Yeah, what been, happened in that wave he loves, when he tackled he is, him in the wave? He is envious of Bodhi's life. Just fucking carefree. Don't give a shit. There's but it's no mutual, conformity. Though, like yeah. Mutual, yeah, it like, is mutual. Going the opposite You're one way radical too. dude. Yeah. They should have kissed at that part. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> there's this something going on. There's something going on. It's there. a bromance. But we all know that. We oh, all yeah. know see somebody in yeah. their life that has done, like, thrown it all oh, away. Oh, yeah. Dude. For somebody's we, great and Dom and Brian. We know a lot of those. Oh, we know Who just, like, abandoned their friends, yep. like cut people out of their lives. Got like, their partner killed. Yeah, got yeah. their partner killed. So uh, just to, to piggyback on that before Jim goes, when Johnny is forced to rob the bank with them, he gets arrested. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. If you so desire, an attorney will be provided for you free of cost. Now, do you understand these rights I've just given you, Utah? Do you understand? Understand the rights I just Get read to Utah? And he is facing accessory to murder for being a part of a bank robbery. Then it just goes nine months into the future. Is he not still facing charges Apparently of accessory not. to murder? I think once you deck your boss. I mean, Pappas uh, decks the boss and takes the handcuffs off of him. That doesn't mean he's not under arrest anymore. No. I mean, maybe they didn't file the paperwork. But technically then at that point, shouldn't Pappas be fucking done for as well? Well, Pappas is dead. Well, he's dead. But even before that, though, yeah, on a right. way, you punch your boss. Just let him go. You're well, done. Unless it's fast and furious. Oh, yeah. Because then you can just punch your coworkers all the time. And Forget your boss about is fine it, yeah, it's just, it's weird that they... He's not good at his job. Yeah, right. He's, <laughs> he's, terrible. he's terrible at this his job. His first horrible. Case, his partner gets killed, and the lead guy, basically everybody gets shot, and the lead guy gets away. Yeah. And, then, like, and then he catches him at the end and lets him go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's really bad at his job. And I would think that, at, like, if they didn't file the paperwork, after nine months, they'd be like, dude, you let the guy go. Like, you just, you were a, a Tasmanian devil. Right. Of a cop with this case. Even Pappas knew that there was something going on between those two guys. Yeah. All right, Jim, go ahead and for it. give us your first logic. The one thing during the raid, and you brought it up briefly, you're almost to the point of getting your face mauled by a fucking, why this guy has a mower like this, even in 1991 yeah. blows my mind. You're Pappas. You have the guy who's about ready to face maul your partner. Why do you have such a fucking target keen to be able to take out that lawnmower when you easily could have just put one yeah, in that guy's that head? Good of a shot, right? Yeah, it's there's I, a whole bunch of stuff with the lawnmower. Like there's a guy actively mowing the grass while this raid is happening. Yeah, yeah. How does the lawnmower get turned over but remain on? A lot of questions. Yeah, there's a lot of like lawnmower specific logic question but he had him dead to rights yeah and just didn't do it you have a lot any logic issues not a ton i mean not the ones that we just went over i know this I mean, goes against your religion to say anything bad about this well his, this is not an infallible lord this is not an infallible okay. lord jesus christ that we're talking about here i mean that's fine it's i know some people think that way i mean maybe this is like earthly i think there's just questions about who knew and when and how they knew and whatever like like the timing how did keanu go on that one jump when they 
knew that he was an FBI agent. Yeah. How did he even, <laughs> all of that. It's like, okay, well, I'm going against my will, basically. He's <sighs> reaching for a gun, but can't get it. But then they jump and everybody's like hugging. Yeah. And he's smiling. And then uh, Bodhi's like, gotta, uh, you know what, buddy? Sorry, come here for a second. Got an insurance policy. <laughs> so the whole lead up to that scene is is logic issue because Johnny, it just wears like, it's, he's so dumb. He just wears his heart on his sleeve. Like in it, Tyler finds his FBI badge. <laughs> Tyler, put the gun down. I'll bet you lied about everything. Right. If you're undercover, you don't just have that lying around. Tuck it under your fucking pillow. I mean, where does she find this? And then it's just so convenient that after she leaves, they come in and everything. But he's like, he's got the Ohio State helmet on his nightstand. Never knows that. Those are all great things that I didn't know. Yeah, he never knows that before. I don't He's a doofus. There's a lot of stuff that I would like do. I want to, I probably don't need to know or want to know, I guess. Yeah. We could talk about the sequel of this movie of like things that you should not touch, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting how that gang came together, like the ex-presidents and yeah. like the philosophy part of it. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. So you trust me? Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, Basically, really. Basically, is this sort of like little Buddha type figure yeah. who's also robbing banks and surfing and doing all this stuff. I don't know. It's an interesting sort of question. Living the life. The last one I have to mention is Johnny Utah. He, like, So he's famous or popular enough that Bodie was able to identify him. A guy who we don't think is a huge football fan. But Johnny's recognizable enough that somebody's able to pick out and be like, you were a famous quarterback. Yeah. I mean, maybe no one would believe that a star quarterback would become an FBI agent. Like, nobody's going to be like, this. wait, you who were like a college successful, like Johnny Manziel or you name it, I'm going to go be an F. It's weird. But isn't it a, the point of an undercover cop to have a low profile? Yeah, to not have any notoriety. I mean, there wasn't social media at the time or like internet or whatever, but like you would think that newspapers would run these stories on former star quarterback makes good, becomes an FBI agent. Yeah. Like there'd be these profile pieces on them. Or you can mention it as a plot point. Yeah. You know, and then sort of not have that question just lingering throughout the movie to say like, oh yeah, we can use you still. Yeah. Well, it, all yeah, that it, takes is like one line one, from McGinley. To one be like, line of exposition. Even for him to say like, I don't like you being here because of something like, yeah. oh, that's all it would have taken, but we got young, dumb and full. Of yeah. Dumb. They could have had, okay. They could have introduced Johnny to his partner Pappas or whatever. And then McGinley's like, I don't like you. You know, I don't want your pretty boy football attitude coming in here. Right. And then he says, you know, wouldn't people know who I am? And Pappas is like, nobody will ever believe that you're an undercover agent or something. Yeah. That, that's all it, just mention it. Catherine Bigelow is too good of a filmmaker for some of these plot conveniences. Like this stuff, just back to back to back with like Tyler finding the FBI credential, you know, Johnny laid up in bed and then the gang comes in, takes some skydiving. Like, well, it just to flip that though, we're really picking it apart. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, you don't notice. These are all some things that I had never even noticed watching this movie how many times. And maybe it's because I watch it while I'm inebriated, but 
<laughs> That's besides the point. The movie moves at such a pace and it's, you know, a lot of action going on. There's a lot going on. He goes from point to point yeah. to point. That is almost beneficial. You know, it, it's something that you have to say about Bigelow as a director, or the editor, or whoever. You don't get hung up on those yeah, things. You're right. just like, I'm along for this ride and this is a wild yeah, ass ride. Yeah. Casually watch. I have no problems with right. those. Just picking it apart for the sake of logic. But one you missed though, too, was the, we, we talked about when we watched it was how Tom Sizemore is in the oh, yeah. raid and they're like, how did you not even how did the fbi not talk so to the bunker DA? weiss's gang war child bunker weiss anthony kiedis his name's tone and then some other guy their gang has been infiltrated by a dea agent because they're moving drugs yeah he gets a tattoo he goes you think i like this, this hair? hair and he's in their gang he's been working this case for, for three, three months, months. pappas says nice tattoo and he says Fuck you. Yeah. He's been working. <laughs> case for months. If the FBI, don't they have some, when they type in their fancy little computer, don't they have some flag that comes up that says there's a guy on the inside there because the FBI raids a house that has a DEA agent. Yeah. It's just, if they communicated at all, all of this is prevented. Pretty much. The DEA says, no, that's, we got him. A simple yeah. fucking call. That's our guy. Yeah. You know, no naked shower lady. He's going to stab a bunch of people. <laughs> but you, we would have missed that. Yeah, but we would have missed it. If not for yeah. the lady, that we missed And that, that lady too. with a really high thong? Yeah. She got the French With the, the teardrop ass? Yeah, the 80s yeah. long yeah. ass. Her ass probably looks totally normal if she doesn't wear that big high ass. Pretty much. Do you guys do like a featured image like for each podcast? Or at least throw it out yeah. on Instagram. Something. Yeah, I can make do it, that. Make it that ass. Yeah. <laughs> Get that lady's ass. Yeah, lady's that ass. Point ass. break on her ass. That is really, <laughs> and we talk about like the, this is being the end of the 80s going into 90s cinema. We haven't really talked about that, about how stuff changed with independent movies that began probably like 92 or whatever. This is probably a demarcation point for it. And probably really what it is, is that ass. Yeah. That ass did not exist. It was After the ass of demarcation. The ass of demarcation. Yeah. Style, that's really what style it was. changed. The underwear got lower. Music. The music changed. All it There's all permeated. We've done other movies from this era, and the funny thing about these movies is they can never really decide. Like we did Encino Man. Yeah. And Encino Man has a bunch of like hair. It's got a Vince Neil solo track. Mm. It's got a bunch of hair metal that's too late for hair metal, yeah. but it didn't really want to embrace like the dance hip hop of the time. So you got some weird music. Like Point Break has rat in it. For yeah, God's right. Sake. Rat. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's do some legacy. What is the legacy of this movie? So there was a script written and a sequel was in pre-production until they felt Point Break underperformed. They canceled the sequel. Very interesting. I can only imagine. Uh, Jim and I have had a, a habit recently of trying to reimagine movies, recast movies, or even say what we would have done differently. What would have you done in a Point Break, an immediate Point Break sequel? Like, how immediate are we talking? I mean, like, the Three movie years? comes out a year to two years after this point break. So we can only assume... I would do, like, an opening scene where Utah's going to have to pay somewhat for the fucking... Everything that went down in that bank robbery. Well, they're going to have to explain it They're going to have to explain it. So say Utah gets out of jail. He's maybe, he's like, a eh, three-month stint or something like that. Because he also has to answer why Pappas died, all this shit. So Utah's trying to find himself again. Maybe he becomes, like, a Bodie type Yeah, figure. that's what I was going to say. Maybe well, he becomes Bodie. Yeah. He quit. It's being a cop and the movie is still called Point, Point Break, Break, a surfing reference. So to have him return to being a cop and not doing surfing wouldn't make sense. So he would almost in the second one have to return somehow to surfing mm. i mean but what do you point in, colon infant, break. Infant, does he start <laughs> does he start robbing banks i don't know if he starts robbing <sighs> there's definitely something where he's like chasing the high that's a, such a that's part of it this right movie there is like it's it's 
Swayze saying like some people snort it, some people yeah. put it in their veins, but it, like this is a junkie for adrenaline stuff. Yeah. And Keanu got a taste of it. That's what it was. I wouldn't and say bank because he fucking yeah, that's right. I asshole identification. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I don't see him doing banks. He would almost have to be on the run at the beginning of the second movie. Okay, I can see that. He has a potentially pending charges. He, you know, quit being a cop. He's got to make some money somehow, but he's going to be on the run. I just, I don't know. That's the sequel of this should have been The Rock. Ooh. <laughs> Instead of fucking Cage, it's Johnny Utah. Welcome to Rock. <laughs> <laughs> there was a remake in 2015. Yeah, hey, we don't have to talk about that. No one-liners, no comedy, no big name actors. No one saw it. No one saw it. I've watched it, so I saw it. And they kept all the same character names except for Tyler. What's what do they call her? Sam Sarah. Sam Sarah. I don't even Fucking remember why. being a female. Yeah. So her and Bodie. Now in in this movie, we in the original point break, we find out in the only point break for what it's worth, but we find out that Bodie and Tyler used to date. Yeah. Because he's like I like it. Watch yourself. She's a wild one. She taught me that, you know, eating the lime out of the other girl's mouth or what. There's some line. They used to date. They used to fuck. Well, in this one, Bodhi and Samsara grew up with this dude named Ona Ozaki, who was like this adrenaline junkie who invented the Ozaki 8, which are eight extreme stunts to honor nature. So these robbers are basically like Robin Hood. They're like trying to rob banks pay honor to nature doing the Ozaki eight. But the reason you find out like Ozaki died in just like a pretty mundane, like whale, a whaling ship crashed into his boat and killed him. Bodie in this one has a different story. Doesn't want to admit that like, yeah. this legend just died in an accident. So um, they bring in Johnny Utah. They're trying to do this Ozaki eight, finish it for him. The movie ends the same way with like the whole surfing because but Utah is like a X games guy. Yeah. Right. And in Utah, he's doing like some surfing or something and he's about to die. He's about to go under. So Bodie rescues him and that's how he's brought in. But actually when he rescues him, that disqualifies Bodie from completing one of these Ozaki eight quests. So then the, he has to go back and do that quest at the end of the movie to, to surf. So it's the same ending. Okay. But it's... um. Jim, edit this all out of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. just <laughs> remove it all. But it's... I will say, the only thing redeemable about the movie is that as, like, extreme stunt B-roll type stuff, it's fucking awesome. There's, like, one very memorable scene where they're um, using, like, the wind suits. They jump off a mountain... And you just get these beautiful shots of these dudes in these like squirrel flying squirrel suits. Like so Johnny Utah in the remake isn't even a quarterback anymore. He's not a quarterback. He's no. just an X Games guy. Well, yeah. I think you said it perfectly when you were talking about it. You said it looks like something that would just be playing on a TV yeah. at like Best Buy. Just yeah. playing. Well, we watched yeah. Jim went and watched the uh Euro final and what was that channel that was on? Atmosphere TV. Atmosphere John, TV. John yeah. Taffer talks it's about it just on Bar Nonstop, just like Extreme Sports, Extreme Red Sports Bull. footage. It's all like shot with like 4k cameras yeah. just watching people like stunt race cars and stuff that's what this movie is forget the plot forget any of that stuff just yeah. if you watch it for like holy shit some of this stuff's like crazy yeah. good to watch like these stuntmen like really killed it my big takeaway from watching it was that they oversaturated the movie in such a weird way that everything's like green yeah it has that weird like david fincher like almost 
turned it to 12, the David Fincher filter, we're like, this doesn't even look, what are you going for? Yeah. <laughs> Just put it, like watch a YouTube clip of it. And you're like, this is, why would you film this like this? Just edit this, color correct it somehow to make it look like reality somehow. It's just strange. Anybody want to mention any other legacy of Point Break? I mean, a lot of one-liners live on. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, the Gimme Two thing definitely wow. lives on. I mean, I think my like preamble at the beginning of this podcast talks about <laughs> yeah. the legacy. But I think this movie has, I will say, you know, that like that action scene, I, I can't think of anything. I sat down and I tried to think of like, what are the better, what better action scenes are there in a movie that's, I guess, grounded in reality? Yeah. There's plenty of movies that aren't grounded in reality that you can say those are amazing. It's, you're in outer space or you're yeah. driving a car off a cliff or something like it's that. It's miraculous that they pulled this off. They're like, we're going to make an action movie that's got bank robbing, foot chases, gunfights, skydiving, surfing, surfing, all in the same. And it makes sense. It's not like it's not like they're doing it for the sake of doing it. It all works. I agree. Well, so. do you talk about the legacy of the people in the movie? Because this yeah. is Keanu's first action movie. And this guy has had many lives in action movies yeah. since, but this is the first one. Yeah. yeah. Three years later, he does speed and then yeah. fucking off to the race. Then uh, Johnny mnemonic chain right. reaction. Yeah. Ooh, chain reaction. I yeah. forgot about that yeah. one. Swayze's career kind of like I said, if they were to do point break two. Yeah. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter because Bodie's dead anyways. So but never that's mind. What, that's what he needed though. He needed yeah. another you know, Swayze. But if say they're like, get. say if Bodie somehow didn't die and he survived, if they would have done this like three or four years later, Boy, the nurse careers just change. Well, because then Keanu gets top billing and not Patrick Swayze. I mean, right? After Point Break, just I'll name like the next handful of movies Swayze did. The Player, which is just he played himself. Uh, City of Joy, Fatherhood, Tall Tale, Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Oof. Ugh, Three Wishes, Black Dog, and then a bunch of shit you've never heard of. Probably straight to DVD. Straight to DVD, like. One Last Dance, 11-14, Waking Up in Reno, he did a cameo in Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights. Like, it it fell off, but basically. But he was huge at this time. Yeah. He was huge at this time because prior to Point Break, we had Ghost, Next of Kin, Roadhouse, Tiger Warsaw, Steel Dawn, Dirty Dancing, Youngblood, Red Dawn. Did you say Steel Dong? <laughs> Steel Dong. <laughs> that was the Patrick Swayze story. And notice in Red Dawn... Con Dios, they say it at the end. That's right. And Charlie Sheen's also in that, who was almost Johnny Utah. <laughs> yeah. Who so. also dated Paul Abdul. Yes. I don't I thought know if that's Emilio Estevez. I just made that his up. brother. I made that up. Yeah, close enough. It's the same family. Straight up. Tiger blood. <laughs> Stick around for some plugs. This is your lifeguard, Matt, from Apex, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. You still haven't figured out what riding waves is all about, have you? It's a state of mind. It's that place where you lose yourself and you find yourself. You don't know it yet, but you got it. It's right there. I saw you with those guys. You're a pit bull. You didn't hesitate, and they didn't back you down an inch. And that is very rare in this world. Well, thanks for stepping in. De nada. Later. Once again, pool sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas, we have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us, and now back to Kevin. Now, there's never been a more appropriate time to cue the waste of time. <laughs> <laughs>
That would be a waste of time. Yeah, with that crooked smile on her face. And hand gesticulations. And uh, again, another reason that it's the perfect time to play that is I watched the HBO documentary about Woodstock 99. Yeah. And uh, it's called Music Box. You can find it on HBO Max. I, I don't know how our society recovered from that period of time. It's fucked up. Pop culture, politics, everything. So we had the Clinton Lewinsky thing happened in 98, you know, trial went in 99. Columbine, rise of school shootings which was blamed on every, everything. everything. Marilyn the Manson. Keanu. And video games. Keanu, yeah, Matrix. the Matrix. Blamed on the Matrix. Girls Gone Wild commercials. 24-7, just Girls Gone Wild commercials. Jackass. Mainstream music was all, like, aggressive. It was, like, one of the only times in history where mainstream music, MTV played music, was Limp Biscuit, corn, you know, aggressive type music promoting violence. And it's just bizarre that we like lived through that. Yeah, we that was like it. formative, late formative years. And I don't know how people recovered from just any of this. Like the documentary shows hundreds of people thinking they were rolling in mud when they were actually rolling in shit, shit. which is crazy. That's a shit people. That's a good like encapsulation of what it was. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then lower than human shit was the promoter, John Schur who takes zero responsibility for Woodstock 99. He denies that anything actually bad happened. He thinks it was highly successful. He says there were only 10 or so cases of sexual assault, even though... Oh, that's all? Oh, coming, okay. Coming out, of, Asshole. coming out of Woodstock 99, an organization was started so that you could anonymously tell your story specifically from Woodstock. If you were sexually assaulted at Woodstock, they wanted you to anonymously come forward. And 99.9% .9 of those cases, I'm sure... Nobody was on there fucking around like they were real. Well, there never should have been a Woodstock 94, let alone a 99. No. Mm. And well, uh, 94, uh, it was 25 years. Blame the victims because he's a like, girl shouldn't have been there wearing nothing. And then he thinks Fred Durst incited the riot. He says that MTV spun all the press negatively. He's like, if MTV wouldn't have been there, it would have been a great, like highly successful event. And, like, I hate this dude. I can't stand him. But yeah, just and like Jackass is coming back. Like Jackass. Mm -hmm. Jackass Forever, is that what yeah. it's called? And Jackass is so weird because, uh, you know, a lot of people I don't think credit, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, credit Jackass for shit. Like Jackass was like somebody getting hurt five seconds later, somebody getting hurt five seconds later, something insane, somebody jumping off something like, and it was just boom, 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 edit. And it was like, it was never enough. There was no buildup for something big to happen. It was that MTV style editing and it contributed to that culture at the time where everything was just like violent and you know, like at Woodstock 99, there was just show your tits. Every girl that anybody saw anywhere, people were chanting a show your tits. Wrestling at the time, oh attitude my God, era, everything yeah. was show your tits. Everything was- She's got herpes. Vulgar. Poor, yeah. yeah. It was like, to think even where we are in 2021 and we still have- Oh, we have a lot of A, a tremendous mountain to climb. But in popular culture- Yeah, it to is, get no. to a more- rounded place and um, much more respect for women it's it's good to see but like man watching that documentary i'd highly recommend watching it but just to see i can't believe that's how we're like how we were living but when you have things like the president having a you know a bloge yeah, yeah. probably uh, probably even worse than that in 1999 is uh this when george R. banks came out yeah that's right worse yeah, right worse than all of that stuff you just said <laughs> well People's expectations were crushed when that movie came out, and then they were like, well, shit, everything sucks. Better. <laughs> Wait till you hear about all the assaults to Jar Jar did. I'm <laughs> saying, I mean, look for the hashtag, cancel Jar Jar. <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to mention, waste of time before I uh, let you two talk, is Jim, did you see that The Rock and Vin Diesel are full-blown back in the beef? Beef alert. Beef alert. Oh, shit. 
We got beef alert. Fuck, now why? Rock says he'll never return for another Fast and Furious thing oh, ever. Oh, God fucking damn because, it. Because uh, there was accusations that Vin Diesel was very much like Fellini during these. Really? these movies how just like psycho he was about it and the rock you know had a quote coming back and saying like you know he's just like i just have to laugh so now they're full-blown back to button heads <sighs> god and damn rock's it like i will never do anything fast and furious ever again does that include hobbs and Shaw? i don't know i don't know oh fuck this so you'll you have to look on. into it i'll send you a link and it just fucking pisses me off yeah I was hoping we'd at least see Luke Hobbs in like Fast 11 or something yeah. like that, but not anymore now. Maybe he's trying to throw us off his trail and he show up. I up hope there. so. I hope it's a big coup. That'd be great. That kind of bumps me out now. God damn it. You had to bring it down. Say some fucking Bodie line for me. Lillard, hit me. It's those people in their metal coffins going towards. I fucked it up. We do it for them. Those lost souls in their metal coffins. There you go. I yeah. think I got it. Whew. Jesus Christ. Uh, I also want to mention, we did, not to bring it down even further, but we found out before we started recording this that Jackie Mason died. And as you guys know, Jackie Mason. Yeah, we, thanks for bringing it back up. Yeah. What? <laughs> I thought you said something happy. No, I said, I don't mean to bring it back down again. Yeah. But Jackie Mason, as you guys know, we covered in Caddyshack 2 when we did our deep end of both Caddyshack uh, movies. And yeah, Jackie Mason. Jack Hartoonian himself uh, died today. I think he was, what, 87 or 88, something like that. So but Did he die on one of those roller coasters? Uh, I have fucking no idea. I hope he wasn't playing mini golf, and I hope when he... His ball exploded. ...goes to the great beyond, he doesn't end up at Bushwood Country Club nah, in the nah, second nah, movie. Nah, 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 Matt, how would you like to... Uh, Depart on this podcast as we wind down here. It's your 2021. No, I'm not going to do another <laughs> rant at, at the beginning. You're talking about stuff you watched on HBO. I, I'd say watch that one in your foot wave thing on HBO. That's pretty yeah, neat. Yeah, speaking of because it's point break. Yeah. I don't watch anything, man. I don't know. I don't have uh, my life's boring, but I will plug you some just stuff. Went to Spain. Spain. It's not that boring. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, no, the trip didn't. We're, we're going to yeah. keep that off camera. Like, yeah, we'll keep that off camera. <laughs> yeah, but the, the trip didn't go that well. But to say, yeah, hey, now we did a lot of cool Spain. Stuff. I went to the Spain. I saw a monkey. I'll do some plot. Are we live? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Stuff? Yeah, go for it. I was on here before and I felt really bad because I didn't plug anything. And it was also a very weird time. It was middle of COVID, but, or maybe not middle, but. It was towards the end. Yeah. Whatever. It was a weird time. Buckaroo uh, Bonsai. It was during bonsai. another big event. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The insurrection on the. Uh, yeah, that's true. Oh, that's right. Holy shit. Forgot that's right. Yeah. But I didn't plug my friends uh, with the Young Sun Comedy Syndicate. Please go find everybody on Facebook. It's all Sun coming back again, man. Yeah, it's coming back. There's We're like on the tipping point here of having some cool stuff. There's shows going on. I need to hop on one. The only show I've done in the last like two years is inside somebody's barn. Uh, that's right. That's other, right. There are some other things coming up that are really cool. So please, you know, check that out. Follow the YCS crew. Shane Herman's been on the show before. He's hilarious. Kalenich. He's hilarious on social media. Kalenich has his own sort of thing going on on social media too. Yeah. He's got his what is it? Food reviews. American Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Food review stuff. Tim Wolf, another hilarious dude. He does a ton of stuff on Facebook to like one-liners. He sort of like incubates jokes and does all kinds of cool stuff. Jason Moliterno doing a ton of shows. He's always out there in Cleveland, Youngstown doing something. Hilarious guy. Um, who else am I missing? Josh Winters. Great friend. Always funny dude. I wish he did could do more shows. I feel like I'm in the same boat with him where we're like raising kids or whatever. <laughs> it's tough to actually get out to shows. Aaron Scardina does a ton of stuff. Sean Aaron, he's in uh, Tennessee. Now, Tennessee trying to do his thing. Eric Lewis, he would actually be fun to bring on the Oh, he'd be excellent. Funny dude. Um, Delphos. Oh God! Bring yeah. Delphos on to do like, um, like a circus, like a freaks. Freaks. Do freaks, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Bring him on because he's like. <laughs> 
nailing, putting nails through his tongue and doing all kinds of crazy shit like that. Bring him on for that. But anyway, YCS, Youngstown Comedy Syndicate. Go follow. There's shows coming up. Yeah. yeah. People that are much funnier than I am. I mean, I'm, I'm still retired. I gave up that stand-up life. He can come back. Ah, shit, no. I'm over that. I did it. Yeah. Went out on a high. Get out and enjoy it while you can, because uh, <sighs> we don't know. Yeah, we might end up going back down with COVID again, with the uh, the Delta variant cases are going up like crazy right now. So. Delta Burke variant. Yeah. Mm. Not designing women. <laughs> All right. Um, Is that how we're going to end on Delta Bird? No. No. Let's, let's say something else. I don't know. What, uh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Are we going to jump or jerk off? <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's the line I was looking for. Goodbye. It's time for lunch. Angelo, it's 1030. Right around that corner, there is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Two. Thank you. Utah, give me two. <laughs>